are listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Lord Vader. Yes, my master. You have been hiding something from me. Yes, a certain podcast made for the fans and by the fans. You have taken two of their number as secret apprentices. If the fan holes could be turned they would become powerful allies. Or your pawns in an attempt to unseat me. What must I do, master? Prove your loyalty to me by slaying your young charges. They are actually kind of old. Irrelevant. Do it. Strike them down with all of your hatred. Then we can listen to their fully charged and operational podcast. Padawan Jackson, Padawan Crab, enter. Hey there, masturbator. <laughs> hey, hey, why did your lightsaber? Ah! Holy crap! You come in too! Any last words? Uh, uh, let go of your hate? That's rich coming from a fan hole. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting Star Wars horrific episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your Imperial hosts for this evening, and joining me tonight are two of my Imperial cronies. Why don't you guys give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and oh my god, look at that Super Star Destroyer. It's awesome. Thank you, Pappy. (laughs) Hey, guys, this is Tony, and yes, Lord Vader... I am a dick. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away! So this is, again, part of our ongoing Star Wars month of programming here on the Fanholes podcast. And tonight I'd say it's pretty easy to identify the theme of this episode. We're going to be looking at some comics, some manga tonight. But the, the basic theme of both the pieces that we're looking at is, of course, Darth Vader. And, uh, you know, it's just basically, I I guess, you know, there was this resurgence, this revival, you know, Marvel Comics got the Star Wars license, and there was a a lot of excitement 
regarding what titles they were going to be bringing out. And of course they had an ongoing star Wars title and an ongoing Darth Vader title. And then they had all these kind of subsequent mini series that have followed since they've reobtained the license. I'm not really going to sugarcoat it. I, I don't exactly think the ongoing star Wars title is the bees knees, but what I do think is the bees knees and what we're going to be talking about tonight is the ongoing Darth Vader title. It is written by uh, Kieran Gillen, who we've talked about in the past, who wrote like Uncanny X-Men and arcs on Iron Man and things like that. And the art is by Salvador La Roca, who's pretty, pretty famous in his own right. I mean, you know, X-Men and all this other kind of good yeah. stuff. You know, I think what did he do? I'm trying to remember, like, I didn't write anything down, but, you know, I know he's worked on a lot of high-profile Marvel projects and stuff like that. Yeah, like in Invincible Iron Man, like the, the Fraction run. Yeah, so, so and, and he's he's a really didn't, excellent... Didn't he, I was going to say, didn't he do Gen X for a while? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe? I, don't I, I, don't I, feel like, I feel like, I know he's done, like, Extreme X-Men or X-Men, Uncan yeah. you know, things like that, but I don't know about Gen X type stuff. Yeah. He yeah. did that horrible Spider-Man House of M miniseries that Mark Wade wrote. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so he 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 does the interior art chores. There's some really bitchin' badass covers from Addy Granoff, also of Iron Man Extremis fame. And and there's there's of course with all comics these days, there's tons of funny, awesome, cool variant covers and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I was just. You know, I, I mentioned this as part of one of my awesome things of the week, and, and that kind of was back when the book first came out. And, you know, of course, these are written for the trade. So, you know, the, the, the first trade, which collects issues one through six, is referred to just as Vader. Like, that's the story. And basically, like, in the in the opening issue, I mean, we've already kind of mentioned this before, or at least I did in the... the uh, awesome thing of the week on a, a past podcast, but you know, it opens with Veda and Jabba having a big sit down and, you know, Vader taking out pretty much Jabba's entire entourage. And, you know, it, it's the, to me, the now infamous scene with the, you know, gangsta Jawas thinking they can step up to Lord Vader with their UTD shit. And Vader's <laughs> just like, fuck you guys, you know, and like he deflects the beans back. Anyway, I, 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 I just think the whole thing is badass because I was like, Oh, finally, like I, I, I don't even know if I cared so much about the plot of the story. And, and it does seem to be very intriguing. There's lots of double talk and, you know, stuff being done behind the emperor's back and stuff being done behind Vader's back and all kinds of, you know, kind of internal politics and intrigue and stuff like that, which does make it kind of interesting to read just on a, on a story level. But I, I just love the opportunity to see Vader in an element where he can be a badass and sort of regaining his, his reputation. His status. You know? yeah. yeah. You know, like, cause I, I, I think, you know, there, there's been that period for me ever since the prequels where it was hard for me to, to watch the original movies and not think of, you know, Pappy or, you know, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know? So it's like, and, and this was one of those things where it was just like, dude, he was so badass in this, you know, he's force choking fucking Jabba and, you know, all this kind of cool stuff in the, in the opening issue. And um, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, like I, I know I talked about it on the previous show, but what did you guys think about that whole opening sequence? Like, did you, did you enjoy that as much as I did? Or are you just kind of along for the ride at this point? Like, I thought it was okay, but I don't know. I think 
on bot talk either renaud or someone else i think maybe mike prime was like kind of like it was like man what are all the bounty hunters doing there like that makes the scene kind of lame and like mm. i could kind of see where he was coming from because i was like yeah i was like couldn't you like think up some more like aliens that could just fill out that scene yeah. like did every single bounty hunter like like okay like i love the book tales of the bounty hunters like that's probably the first star wars book i ever read and to me like the the six stories in that book are boba fett bosk like forlom and zuckus uh ig88 and dangar and like to me those are like the six like main bounty yeah, hunters yeah. in the star wars universe well every single one of them is there at Jabba's palace so i'm like do they all like hang out together or something like i, I, I think they I well one i think if you read that novel they all are in Jabba's palace at one point or another i mean in in the writer's defense i mean i i would just say like having read interviews i mean i think his notion is that you know, I, I read this interview where he described Darth Vader as a micromanager. And basically you can see, he said you could see him micromanaging by having the bounty hunters come on the executor in Empire Strikes Back. But it's like, how does he go from being a guy who was, you know, essentially, you know, the, the lackey of Grand Moff Tarkin to this guy who has his own you know, executor star destroyer that can bring in bounty hunters whenever he wants. And like, I think, I think in, in the course of this story, you see, he becomes enveloped in not only the political machinations of the empire, but also like the seedy underbelly of the, the star Wars underworld, you know? So it's like, it's, it, I guess, you know, it's just his own way of, I mean, cause they have these stories all the time where it's like, what happened in between star Wars and empire and, you know, dark horse did their version of it. You know, we're going to read a manga and talk about it tonight where they have their version of it. And this is just yet another version of it. I think maybe, you know, Kieran Gillen gets off because now he's being told his version is quote unquote, you know, post Disney canon, you know, so his is the really for real happened. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it really for reals happened or whatever. But, you know, I mean, you, you can take or leave that. But I, I think for me, just sort of playing devil's advocate and defending it. I'm like, well, he doesn't kick their ass there. It's not like he makes all those bounty hunters look dumb. He kind of kicks Java's entourage's ass and those stupid Jawas and everybody who had the the temerity, the, the tenacity <laughs> to step up to him. But at the same time, it's like, well, th th there's the first seeds of like, hey, you know what? I can use some of these people to my advantage. You know, I'm going to make them yeah. of my own entourage type thing. And that's that's all I took out of it. It's not so much that, that you know, IG-88 or Boba Fett or whoever get knocked down a peg because they're in that scene just smoking a bowl with Java or whatever. It's like, you know, he's got to have met them somewhere, and, and maybe that's not the coolest place in the world for him to have met them, but I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, I, I enjoy I, I, it. I, I, yeah. I, no, no, I, that's a good explanation, but, I, like, I, I don't know. I approached it from a, like, sort of, like, out-of-universe perspective where I was, like, you know... Uh, you know you gotta fill out like it's kind of like it reminded me of like maybe like the Dreamwave transformers comics where like you know in the background like every background character's gotta be someone right. basically right, it's right. like you know oh look there's like defcon or whatever like and does it make sense for him to be in that scene no but he's an easter egg right, so we're gonna right. you know put him in there 
But no, I like your explanation for it, though. And I, I was going to say, like, that is super badass. But I, I do have to question, like, why Jabba would think that, like, antagonizing Darth Vader was a good idea, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the thing I thought was interesting about it, and I wanted to ask you guys, because I, I, I think, like, there's certain things in Star Wars canon that you didn't think about when you saw the original trilogy, but have become part of the the lore moving forward and like one of those things that never really occurred to me very much is like luke skywalker in return of the jedi comes in and force chokes a gamorian guard right and pushes him out of the way when he goes to see bib fortuna so in a certain way this is a uh you know an interpretation you know sort of a revisiting of that sequence in return of the jedi only this is you know back after you know the Battle of Yavin after Star Wars, and instead of Luke, it's Vader. And when Vader comes in, he chokes the shit out of a Gamorrean guard and, like, cuts him in half. And then he comes to see Bib Fortuna, and he's like, look, get the fuck out of my way. I'm here to talk to this fat piece of shit slug. Like, get out of my way. And then, you know, they they sort of have their business together and stuff like that. But what I thought was interesting is they, they seem to now suggest like oh choking people is a dark side trait and i i always kind of thought well it's kind of weird like like did you guys always think of force choking as like a dark side type tool or like is it just what you decide to do with your your telekinesis you know and you know it's kind of like one of those things it's like if you use your telekinesis to like you know I don't know, slam a rat into the wall until he's dead, well, then maybe you're a bad person, right? But if you use your force telekinesis to lift a rat up to some cheese, then maybe, like, you're a nice good Jedi or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, it's just one of those things where it hadn't really occurred to me too much that, like, doing specific things, it's, like, made you part of the dark side or not in, in, the, in that context, you know? Like, But I guess now they're trying to suggest, you know, oh, well, look, Luke had a black glove and he's wearing a black cloak and he did a force choke, so he must be sort of evil now, you know? I mean, I guess that's kind of part of the, the hint or whatever, but I, I don't know if that ever really stood out to me, but I thought about it while I was reading this at any rate. I, I always, like, kind of... The only power I ever saw, like, in the movies that, like, I was like, okay, that's an evil power is the whole Force Lightning thing. Okay, okay, yeah. That does seem pretty, yeah, yeah, I mean, that seems like, you know, like, the Force Choke, you know, that could be used to interrogate somebody. You don't have to kill them, you know, you could just be like, what do I want to know? But the the whole Force Lightning thing seems like, I'm going to kill you. So, you know, that seemed like a dark side power. But, like, yeah, like, you know, why is Force Choking evil? But using a force push to like make a guy fall over a cliff is like, oh no, you're, you're still a cool guy. You're a nice you're, guy. You're a good guy. <laughs> yeah. You used a force yeah, I, force push and 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 it made a guy go into a coma. That's okay. Yeah, and like I, I I never saw it as a specific like dark side move. It was just like you know it's a action that is like associated with more like violent like you know the you know it's like a like a, if you did like a force titty twister or something you're like whoa <laughs> like, what is that is that a dark side move or is it just a a, a dick move basically like, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you use your your force powers to lift up girl skirts then you must be associated with the dark side of the force right it's well, I remember, like, you. do you remember those Jedi Knight games for, like, the PC and yeah, stuff? Yeah, like, with the, with Kyle Katarn uh-huh. and stuff? Yeah. Well, like, oh, he yeah, used yeah. to do, he used to do, like, Force Lightning, and, like, it was never, I don't think it was ever considered, like, a dark side move. It was just a Jedi thing, yeah. you know? But, 
I don't know. I, I guess like yeah, with the advent I, I, of the prequels and stuff, it seems like that that's an evil thing to right, do. Right. I, I will say that like you were, you were mentioning, both of you mentioned Jabba. <clears throat> I, I think it was kind of nice that, of course, Jabba does have to get punked out because it is Darth Vader's book. I mean, and it's also Darth Vader. But, I mean, he actually puts up a fight. You know, he actually tries to, like, you know, make himself, you know, like, he, he is a crime lord. You know, he can't just be like, you know, yes, Lord Vader, whatever you say, Lord Vader, of course, Lord Vader. You know, he does, you know, try to haggle and bargain, you know, like, you know, like, well, what do I get out of it? Of course, he does, you know, eventually get punked. But I thought it was nice that, like, you know, he didn't seem like just a complete pussy. You know, he yeah, actually did, yeah. you know. He, he seems you know, in yeah. character. I mean, he, he threatens him and kind of mentions, you know, that the Rebel Alliance has a bounty on him. And he's kind of like, look, you came here alone in the middle of the night, unannounced. Nobody knows you're here. You know, I could just fucking pull my trap door and nobody would be the wiser. And then it's kind of like, you think I'm a Jedi, but you're wrong because I'm not a fucking Jedi and I'm going to choke your shit out. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, OK, well, it's a little different then, you know, and then that's when he starts, you know, beating up the, the, the you know, the the Jawas, the, the UTD motherfucking Jawas or whatever that thought they were, that thought they were hot shit, but they weren't, you know? So uh, they, they, I mean, after yeah. they kind of settle their business, they, they have a flashback because like we mentioned, there's lots of machinations within machinations in this book, but they flash back to a couple days earlier to the emperor. And, and it's interesting. I, I'm just going to bring this up because this is not something that really occurred to me too much, but I've heard a lot of other podcasters and different reviews talk about this. And, you know, it opens with basically the emperor blaming Vader for the destruction of the Death Star. And, you know, you could argue, well, it's Grand Moff Tarkin's fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's other people who are in charge. But I'm, when it comes down to it in the in the context of the story, you know, the Emperor says, well, look, you're the only asshole left alive that I can blame, so I'm blaming you. And that that's his final word on the matter, you know? And and I, I, I remember hearing people kind of compare it to, like, that robot chicken episode, you know, of Star Wars, where it's kind of like, <laughs> Vader, what? Baby, you blew up the Death Star. Like, oh, oh, now he's crying about his poodle pot of pod bay or whatever. Like, bring me a sandwich, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> and, and, like, and you, you, let, you let a bunch of teenagers, like, blow up the Death you know, Star yeah. or whatever. So, so they, they, you know, it's like, you know, I guess the, the notion is, what, did that sketch become canon, you know? like kind of thing or whatever and it's like i i don't know like i i was kind of curious what like what you guys thought of that because it's like i don't i mean i could see from the perspective of like well why is the why is vader at fault for what happened with the death star he he did his job to the best of his ability and then you know he he was the only one left alive but it's not necessarily his fault but then at the same time it's kind of like well you have to start somewhere i mean this is the darth vader comic like you can't start with him coming to the emperor and the emperor's like here you go bubby like here's a super ex you know star destroyer executor and you're in charge of everything and let's go like just like it was an empire because you you know it, it, there's something he needs to have conflict in his book for it to be interesting so they put him with all these other you know, Grand Moff General guys who are basically above him and in his way, and he's got, you know, we'll see later, he's got all these different rivals for supposedly his, his you know, number two position to the Emperor, you know? So it's like, without that, like, there there wouldn't be a whole hell of a lot of story, is, is my take on it. But I was just kind of curious, like, do, do you, you know, do you guys care about that part of it? Like, do you think it should have been Vader's fault, or shouldn't have been Vader's fault, or... 
that kind of thing. I mean, I, I think the the big thing about it is is there's no one else to blame, like you said, and also, like I said in like my little cute little impression at the beginning of the show, you know, Palpatine is kind of a dick, really. I mean, you know, like I said, it'd be funny, but <clears throat> he he doesn't tolerate failure, even when it's his his, his number one guy, you know, like. Uh, what was it? Uh, Jack Plants and Jack Nicholson and uh, <laughs> Batman, my number one guy. Um, I think he's also I, I, the Emperor is one of those guys who likes pushing that button because he's thinking like, you know, hey, if I if I give this guy some shit, it'll bring out the anger, and anger leads to hate, and hatred leads to more power. So you know, kind of bringing out the best of them in like the most you know tough love kind of way, I guess you would say. Yeah, that, that that's pretty much what I was gonna say. Like, I think part of it is just Pappy being, you know, he was like giving him some ammunition, basically, to you know make him, you know, angry and or you know hateful, and uh, that's just the way the Sith work, basically. Yeah, the the Sith relationship involves a lot of button pushing, basically, right? Like, but button pushing, but with yeah. the, the goal to to help the guy get the get the boulder like, up Lord, the hill, Lord. right? He's like, Lord Vader, I heard that guy over there call you a duty head. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like I, I wrote down, like, not too many quotes in this book, but, but there is that moment, and I guess we'll get to it, but I feel like just mentioning it now, like, there's that moment in, I, I forget if it's like the third or fourth issue, but basically where you see the Emperor is auditioning all these these rivals for against Vader and stuff. And, and he's got that really nasty line about, Oh, forgive Lord Vader. He gets very sensitive when the subject of children are brought up. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's just like, Oh, if that's not something like a knife twisting thing to piss you off, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I mean, th th there's nothing more kind of, you know, infuriating than something like that. Like somebody knowing where you're, you're, your soft spot is it's like oh you're ticklish here well let me stick a knife there you know like and twist it you know yeah. like and just see see if it makes you howl you know so i think another another thing is also that like even though palpatine does have invested interest in vader you know he did cultivate him since he was a fucking you know jake lloyd he uh <laughs> he also <laughs> remember when you were a jake lloyd I'm a person, and my name is Anakin. But at the same time, you know, Palpatine is, is kind of like an arms dealer. Sure, he may have a really cool nuke, but if he has like a nuke with a unicorn horn, he'll 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 go for that if it turns out to be better. So I, I think he doesn't have a lot of a lot of loyalty to Vader in a certain way. Like in a, in a way, he he wants him to be like his ultimate Sith Lord. But if something better does come along, I don't think he'd really you know wince at taking him out i mean remember no, poor no. you know count dooku you know like uh, kill him. <laughs> yeah there's not there's not a whole lot of loyalty there with the sith another thing i thought was that i might ask you guys about and i'm just curious because i don't know the answer to this or not but i mean but basically by the end of the first issue you know you, we see that vader is at least withholding knowledge of luke skywalker from the emperor you know he's kind of like saying is there anything else and it's like no i'm not i'm gonna keep this this bit of information to myself and he ends up hiring you know kind of like what we were talking about before you know vader kind of taking dipping his his uh his big toe into the shallow end of the pool you know with bounty hunters and the cd star wars underworld you know he hires boba fett and this evil mirror universe uh 
you know, Wookiee name, uh, Kersantin, <laughs> uh, named Black Kersantin. And basically that it's just, I guess he's, he's an evil Wookiee with an eye patch and he's got like a black pelt. It's like, I don't know. I kind of thought, thought of him a little bit like, you know, mirror Spock or whatever, you know, it's just like, I'm a Wookiee and I'm evil. And it's like, how am I evil? Cause I got like an eye, an eye patch and I got black fur and I'm, I growl and I hang out with Boba Fett, you know, it's like, basically it's like, you know, if, if Boba <laughs> Fett is Han Solo, this Kersantin is like his, his version of Chewbacca or whatever, you know, and then, and, and, you know, the, the first issue ends with him, you know, hiring them over the corpses of all these sand people. And he's like, I'm done here, which again, to me is a symbol of his badassery, you know, that he just came there to like, you know, wipe out some more sand people, you know, because, you know, just because he's Darth Vader. Do you so. think that's, just like, that's, that's like his stress ball whenever he gets like pissed off? He's like, you know, like, uh, Man, I like you know I got overcharged on my 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 red box. I, I took that movie back. Oh, time to go to Tatooine and kill some sad people. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because they do they do make the point of saying how Tatooine is still a, a a soft spot for him, so he doesn't he's not often gonna be a, a, it's not gonna be a planet he would come and visit all the time or at all. You know, it, it might have been one of those places like I'm never coming back here again. And, you know, just over the course of your job or whatever it is, you know, it's like, OK, so I have to come back here and stuff like that, you know. But the, the, yeah, like know, in the, the original movie, he didn't even set foot on the planet. He was like, uh, you guys take care of this. I'm going to stay on the ship. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, I, I guess my, my question to you guys, though, is the 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 instance that he, he knows about Luke Skywalker, at least to a point in this, uh, you know, story and everything, it does sort of tie into the ongoing star Wars title. And I guess what my question is, is have you guys read that title at all? Either of you? No. Okay. And no, I, I imagine Tony hasn't either. So, uh, uh, did that, did that affect, like, I mean, did you feel like you were missing out on anything? Because I know there are occasional bits in this that sort of tie directly into the ongoing title. I mean, some stuff, they actually reproduce shot for shot, so you're caught up to speed. But there's other things where it's just like, oh, remember when this big adventure happened with, like, Han and Leia and whatever? Like, oh, yeah, that happened. You know, but they don't really go into any details. Like, did that did that bug you at all, or did that make you want to seek out the ongoing title or anything like that? Not really, but I, I thought, yeah, I thought the story was fine on its own. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll just keep going down the, the, the story trail or whatever and and talk about what comes up, but it's interesting because they, they have, uh, you know, I guess tag from, uh, a new hope has been made grand general tag, which I thought was funny. Cause I was like, he's not a moth, but I guess he's grand general tag now. And supposedly he left, the Death Star before it exploded. So now he's like, you know, the one guy who was actually above Vader in the command structure. And then he gets assigned this adjutant named Lieutenant Unai. And like Unai is like this like little kind of toady guy, but I guess he's basically supposed to be like a spy and keep tabs on Vader for the Emperor and Tag and everything like that. And, you know, Vader basically in that issue is going after all these space pirates that are stealing imperial weaponry and resources and he busts into this one ship with like a stormtrooper squadron and fights against all these droid decas so it's like it's interesting because in in this title i thought it it did a good job of 
it, it was one of those things where it's like sometimes if I see prequel stuff, it's like you you think maybe I'd be grumpy because I don't want to <laughs> have any reminders of prequel stuff. But it's like I, I thought it was interesting because they they were reminders of his past. And in some ways, maybe, you know, it, it was a way for him to either excise demons or just have these little brief reminders of his demons you know and it's like i don't know i i I, to me i was like okay so he turns some missiles back on the droid decos and blows them up you know like i and it's like one of those things where it's like oh jedis would you know be good against droid decos so of course vader is this badass sith lord that he's grown into you know can make short work of those droids and the the main purpose why they introduce them you know is is going to be shown later in in the story but you know, I, I guess all I was getting at was that it didn't really bother me to see those because it seems like there a lot of the references to the prequel movies. It's like all these guys are at their last vestiges of of even being alive in some ways. It's like it's like it's almost as if like he just blew up the last two droid decas ever. You know what I mean? Like, like that there were tons of them yeah. at one point, but now it's like they they barely well, are in circulation anymore. You know, like that kind of thing. I, I think it was kind of. It's also one of those things where, yeah, okay, it doesn't matter if you hate the prequels or if you love the prequels, either way. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is <clears throat> that shit happened, and it's a nice callback that when they they bring stuff back like that, you know, it's like I like the Y wings how they, they actually kind of did a retcon callback. They put them in the Clone Wars, and it's like, oh, they got, you know, banged up all the shit. That's why they look like ass and, like, you know, New Hope and stuff. And there, there's something that shows up later on in the uh, comic, which I think is pretty cool, which I'll mention when we get to it. But, um, yeah, all this shit that happened, all this, all these droids that existed, all these, like, you know, alien races that, like, you know, we don't see in A New Hope and stuff, I don't mind them showing up because I'm like, they were there. They existed. They were a part of the universe. So when they show up, I'm like... Yeah, they there would probably be still a couple like you know clunking around, you know, doing stuff. So yeah, yeah, it didn't bother me at all. I I kind of like the balance of it. You know, it's not so much that I. It's not like I want. You know, it's not like I'm trying to be that guy that said like you know I'm not trying to sit here and be like the guy that says like oh the prequels never happened in my head canon. I'm like I'm not trying to be that guy. But it's like one of those things where it's like yeah, yeah. you know you know how you said you know look the prequels happened they're that you know they exist. Well, it's also true the original trilogy exists and many of those prequel characters do not exist within that original trilogy so it's nice to have this kind of bridging story that you know it's not like it's hitting you over the head with an explanation like oh and then an asteroid hit the dinosaurs and they were never seen again you know but it's like you you just get the idea like you know it's been like 20 years since you know the battle of genosis you know it's been you know whatever years and and these you know these prequel characters you know are not in their prime anymore. And, and then you have a sort of veiled explanation of, you know, well, geez, you know, the reason why you might not see any of these guys is they put a bomb here or they did this or that or whatever. So I, I just, I kind of appreciated that in the context. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, it doesn't hit you over the head. It doesn't say like, look, prequels. It's just, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's not an Easter egg. It's just more along the lines of like, Hey, this shit did happen. And here, here's some stuff to, you know, basically let you know that it did happen. You know, it was like, it, it, it gives you, like you said, I mean, I mean, you put it best. It's like, it's just a nice bridge, you know, it like doesn't have to be 
Like, I'm Mace Windu, and I'm back. It's like, no, there's a couple of Droidicas. They're they're here, and, like, they got yeah. blown up, so, yeah. Or even, like, that dude who, like, has, like, the general Grievous knockoff body. Right, or whatever. right, right. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, I know. It's not, like, I, I feel I feel like he was, like, ridiculous enough that, like, you know, I, I, I couldn't really take him that seriously, but, like, I think that was more because of his, you know, Mon Calamari head or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. the general Grievous body, so. Yeah, so they, I mean, basically, yeah. like, the, the, the one adjutant, like, the, the part that cracked me up about that is he, 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 Vader's basically, like, you were assigned to watch me, weren't you? And the adjutant's like, oh my god, there's all these explosions and all this crap's going on. Like, I want to get the hell out of here. And he's like, the Emperor assigned you to watch me, right? And he's like, well, yes, so you should come and watch me. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's like making him come with him yeah. on all these, like, you know, that he could get killed at any minute. So I, that was kind of funny. And then, you know, what, what's funny is Vader totally turns it against him, too, because he, he finds this R2 droid. He plants evidence that frames Unai as like the leak that you know uh, basically gave up all these this intel to these space pirates and everything and then you know he he basically brings him in front of general tag and makes him look like a moron you know saying look this guy is your leak i and you know i don't want some guy watching over me every minute anyway and and your guy was uh, a traitor you know and and then after that you know there's this kind of fun scene where he's kind of like all right r2 droid now go self-destruct and don't tell anybody about this and he blasts him out the airlock and the droid blows himself up and he's just kind of like droids you can always trust droids you know and i thought that was a pretty cool way yeah. to, to to end that issue yeah Vader had a lot of good little one lines in it like you're talking about unai now, at one point he says the tag you know it's like just remember, if you have people watching me, I'll be watching them. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, damn. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I have fun with this. And then I guess uh, the 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 third issue apparently is like super. Well, I don't know. I I at one point I just remember reading on Facebook like it was hard for people to find a copy of issue number three. And like I guess if you look on eBay now, like it, you know, depending on if they slab it or don't slab it, it can go from anywhere from like eight ninety five to like forty bucks or something. Um and I imagine it's cause they introduce like all these new characters and now they're becoming like, you know, fan favorite, you know, Harley Quinn characters or whatever, you know, but we, we are introduced to Dr. Afra, who is the hottie space pirate who Vader recruits and is part of his, you know, personal secret entourage or whatever. And then, uh, you know, she's got her ship, which is called the Archangel. And I thought that kind of reminded me of like the it has like the color scheme of kind of like Anakin's pod racer or like, you know, his his Clone Wars tune Jedi Starfighter. It, it, it looks like a Clone Wars kind of ship, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. Like, th this is what I thought of it. It was kind of like if, if like, Boba Fett's Slave 1 had Anakin's Podracer color scheme. Like, that's kind of what I thought of the Archangel as. I don't know if you thought that way at all, Tony, but that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, just not to sound like a fanboy, but like, I really like the design. I was like, oh, that's a cool ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, it, it's a cool-looking ship. And I, 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 I've always been fond of the sort of the, the, the white and light blue, you know, like that kind of color scheme like I, i've always thought that was kind of a neat neat look and everything so um yeah i can even i could even go even more i could even go more prequel on it and um 
uh, the Trade Federation was really fond of like a gray or whitish and blue coloring on their ships too. So yeah, yeah, and and so basically we find out that those droid decals that Vader destroyed in the previous issue are actually the handiwork of Doctor Afra. And since Vader was so impressed, he sought her out and you know wanted to basically use her talents to his own end. And like there's this kind of cool scene where I guess she has this. I guess you'd call it like a personality matrix or whatever, but it's it's basically it's encrypted and, you know, she's trying to break the code so that she can install it in this protocol droid. And, you know, she she's like, well, this is going to take me a couple hours, but after that I can help you out, you know, surveyor or whatever. And and then he's just kind of <laughs> like, yeah, she, she's very, she's very she's very like a. Um very uh, skittish around him, which is really cool because, you know, you should be scared of Darth Vader. She's like, sir, Mr. Vader, Lord Vader, sir, Mr. Well, it's sir. Funny, it's <laughs> funny, you, you you could tell, I don't know, like, maybe maybe this is just me and my sad, lonely existence or whatever, but, like, she is, she is a spunky, like, cute girl, do you know what I mean? Like, where it's like, oh, like, yeah. you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, if he wasn't Darth Vader and she wasn't who she was, like, maybe there could be something between them, but there can't. You know, so it's like there's always these kind yeah. of like fun, <laughs> awkward moments between them where it's like, you know, not, you, you know, it, it, I, I suppose. If yeah, not to bring up like that, 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 that uh, musical, but that reminds me of like the musical Mike showed us where like, you know, somebody's like, hey, you know, you're so cool. You know, yeah, Mary Jane. Yeah. And stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, yeah, it does. It does feel like that. You know, I mean, if, if this was any other thing, it'd be like, yeah, Mr. D, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, like like but she's um. You know, I, 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 I was, I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I was immediately fond of her for whatever reason, like, you know, that, you know, that Vader doesn't want to, like, just kill her outright, you know, that I was like, I don't know why, but he liked her, and so, I guess, because you're following him as the protagonist, like, you kind of see what he sees in her, you know, so it's like, and, and, and then, you know, of course, Vader gets to do more badassery, badass stuff, and it's not killing people, but it's just, oh, this code's gonna take, like, five hours to crack? Oh, well, let me just wave my fucking hand, and then she's like, you fucking cracked the code. And it's like, you don't have the clearance codes. It's like, no, but, you know, don't question the force, like, you know, or whatever, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, and, and so when she installs this personality matrix, we are revealed to, again, another uh, first appearance in, in this new post-Disney Star Wars canon, which is 000 or triple zero, who basically is like the evil sadistic specializes in torturing people C-3PO. You know, it's like C-3PO, but with the, you know, Marvel Now Iron Man colors look, you know, where it's like all black armor and these, you know, bright red eyes and everything. And then, you know, I, I you, you reminded me when we did that last podcast, you're like, oh, you mean that evil c-3po from from droids right because you you brought it up on the last show and it's like been so yeah, long yeah. since i looked yeah, at PX, yeah. it, it was yeah it was it had been so long since i looked at that old dark horse droid series so like while i was rereading this i busted that out and was like oh i want to see what tony was talking about because it's been a long time like i i sort of remembered it and then i found that one cover with it, it, it was like 3px and like he had the x on his on his head and he had like all these guns and everything. So it was like this, this badass like Lobo looking C3PO or whatever, you know? So it's like, it's like, okay. So, so again, kind of like Bendis thinking like he's the first guy who's ever had daredevil reveal his secret identity. This is not the first evil C3PO there ever was, but 
I mean, he's pretty cool looking and, and, and he's got quite the, quite the sadistic personality. Like it's, it's kind of like that, that black humor that you come to love and appreciate maybe in a show like, like Hannibal or silence of the lambs or something where it's like, he's, you know, it's obviously he's got that protocol droid, that erudite nature, you know, so you can kind of chuckle at what's, you know, what he's saying, even without acknowledging, like, you know, the horrors of what he, you know, obviously loves doing. But yeah, he's fucked up. Yeah. 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 Um, he is my avatar for a reason. I, I want to chime in when you start talking about him because I was like, ooh, he's my, he's my avatar this this week. <clears throat> I really like Triple Zero. And, and it's like you See, said, it's that kind of black humor where he's like, you know, Yes, sir. You know, like, nice to meet you. And like, she's about to shake his hand. And she's like, oh, by the way, parameters change. Acknowledge uh, masters only as the people in this room is, is her and uh, uh, Darth Vader. And he's like, oh, OK, well, I guess I shouldn't shake hands then. I almost sent you, you know, a thousand volts through your body. Old habits die hard. My bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's, it's he- it seems to be a trope that Karen Gillan enjoys because, it, like, he seems to it, not always like a sadistic robot, but some kind of like quirky like robot with like I don't know some kind of weird like perspective on humanity. Like, what's his name? A uh, unit from X Men, and then uh, what else? The the recorder unit from his Iron Man oh, right, run. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And then like you know, and he likes using Death's Head too, and Death's Head's kind of like a a mechanoid with a, you know some kind of personality quirk like so it seems to be something the writer enjoys doing yeah definitely and yeah. then and then i guess you know uh, sort of not to be left out of the fun there's also bt1 who is this assassin astromech droid who basically seems like he was designed to be like a kamikaze droid he's kind of like a little black r2d2 with kind of a a more um uh, you know, a less curved head. He's got one of those kind of more cylindrical kind of heads or whatever. But it, it seems like, like his, his big whole red eye in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It seemed like his whole thing was he, he you know, it, it's almost like he can't tell friend from foe. He just wants to blow shit up because that's what he does type thing. So I'm like, I'm like R2D2 who pulls out like, you know, like a fire extinguisher or like, you know, uh, a cutting torch. He is like packed with weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the BT1, it's like, here's a blowtorch and here's like several tons of explosive in your face, you know, like that kind of thing. But I was going to say for like Dr. Yeah. Doctor Astra, like I did really take to her. Like there's that, there, there's that one sequence where you, you kind of felt like there's the, you, you know what's funny about that is it's like there's no dialogue in that scene whatsoever, which is again why I feel like this is like, you know, how we discussed like the some of these new star wars things coming out from disney are like apologies for the prequels and like i totally got a padme vibe from dr apra but like th- it, there was no big like your skin is soft like sand milady it's just there's a scene he looks at her you know and it's like she looks at him and there's like this kind of moment that they share and then it's just like you can be of use to me and then they go on with the story you know like and and it was just like one of those things where it was like, okay, that's good. I like that, you know. So I, I, I kind of took it as Vader meets people like in his like little uh, shady dealings behind Emperor's back that are capable and you know can do their job. But like you said, I think there is like you know the Anakin part of him that's kind of like you know like you you know like yeah, cool chick, you know, we'll keep her around a little while, you know yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, 
I don't think it's like, you know, mad love, you know, it's like, I will protect you, Astro, but it's more no. like, no. You're, you're cute, I like you, you can hang around. <laughs> well, I think it's also, like, part of it is that he's so, like, physically destroyed that he just, he does not want to have any kind of human interaction anymore if he can help it, so, yeah. you know, or at least human connection. Yeah, because it's like, even if even if she does look like Patamumi Matamata and, like, you know, she's, like, super hot. It's like, what's he going to do about it, you know? Like, not a whole hell of a lot, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be that, that asshole, but we don't even know if he has a dick. I'm just saying. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he does, it's, it's extra crispy, so. Hey, it was it was right next to that. It was right next to that lava pool. So <laughs> it's like him and uh, him and uh, what's his face, uh, Shishio. You know, they should start a fucking club and shit, right? <laughs> anyway, the Dodic Club. <laughs> so uh, then, and then when we go into the next issue, this was something I was alluding to earlier. But there, the 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 fourth issue has what I think is this is my avatar. And it is this really awesome Addy Granoff cover with Vader facing off against an army of battle droids. But the the plot of this issue is really simple. It's just they're going to go find a droid factory that's being run by the queen of uh, a, a Geonosis hive, like all these bugs. So if you remember every time you were playing like the... Uh, what was that stupid game? The the first person shooter with the the clones or whatever, and you shot all those bugs and everything. Oh, uh, you know. But I think it was just called uh, like um shit. That's gonna bug the fuck out of me. I can't. Just call like the, the clone trooper squad. Clone special yeah, ops. Yeah, like or clone. Like that. Whatever yeah. it was called, like you know, I, I remember playing it. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, but though, yeah. I mean, that, that's what this reminded me of. You know, you, you basically have you know the the Geonosis queen there, and you know she the, these queens were so used to making all these these hives, you know, with all these little bugs that were their their children, but also their their warriors, you know, their their stock, you know, just like a you know regular insectoid species, but this. You know, basically the Empire, again, explaining why you don't see any of these CGI blurp de blurp fucks in the original trilogy. You know, the Empire, <laughs> like, bombed the hell out of these guys, and basically the bombs were designed to, you know, destroy the innards of their reproductive facilities. So, ostensibly, they, they killed off the species by destroying... The, the queen's abilities to reproduce. So, you know, the queen is mentally disturbed, and what she does is... She uses this droid factory to create new, quote unquote, offspring, you know, and it's basically just a bunch of droids dressed up to be like these little, you know, drone bugs. Yeah, it's battle droids with wings and faces. Yeah, Yeah, you know, and, and so and basically, you know, their goal is, you know, Vader wants to have, you know, a, an army of his own. And so his goal is to get the factory. So they they, you know, basically go in there and Vader does a bunch of badass shit and lifts a bunch of stuff up. And then this is another moment where, you know, you, you'd think I would be poo-pooing on it, but, you know, you know me, I've got a soft spot for the Phantom Menace, so it's like Vader comes in and they they pick up the droid factory and Dr. As Afra is like, you know, my ship probably could hold this a little better than yours, you know, it could hold the weight more, and Vader's like, don't worry, it'll hold. And, like, basically it's the Naboo Starfighter, like, but it's all decked out in, like, a little black sheen or whatever, but I was like, you know what, that's that's still pretty cool. So I, I, I kind of like that moment where it's yeah. just like, you know, I don't know. 
I I dug it. Yeah, yeah cause, cause, yeah, the, the, they, the way they played it, <clears throat> it was like you know, it was like is he using a fucking tie fighter? And then when they showed it, it's like yeah, the Naboo, like it is the one they used in the first movie. It was like the the way I look at it is. It's, it's probably twofold. It's probably a little bit of a soft spot for Podman. You know, he you know he did lose her and everything, but also I mean you know they they said it was a really fast ship. It was a really good ship. Yeah. And yeah. Anakin, you know, yeah, Anakin back in the day he was a he was a gearhead. He likes you know fast ships, so you know it, it makes sense that he would be like, yeah, I'm going to keep this really good ship. You know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's kind of it twofold. didn't it didn't get stuck in the lava pit and and, and uh, you know <laughs> it didn't get choked to death or whatever. You know so. I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> Mine, <laughs> yeah. But um, oh, it, it is uh, it is uh, one my 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 quote this week just because I thought it was really like you said. There's a lot of cool Vader badass moments, <clears throat> but it's nice when people also recognize Vader. Uh, one point, uh, Afra is like you know kind of bogged down, and she's like, you know, shit's blowing up, and like I need to get this specific piece up to the top so it can like transmit the signal so it can blast through with like you know the weapons. And he just, you know, force lifts it up. And she's like, oh, of course, yes, you're Darth Vader. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, there's that, because it's like one of those things where it's like, we'll never be able to get to the top in time. And it's just like, whoosh, and then it just goes straight to the top. Yeah, that was a cool scene. Yeah. I, I thought there was lots of nice character moments for her in this. Like, because, you know, Aphra's not a dummy either. Like, you know, she's kind of like, okay, well, now we've succeeded in this task to get the droid factory. So she's like, look, if you're going to kill me, just you know, make it quick and, you know, lightsaber me to the back of the head, you know, please. And don't, don't make me suffer or whatever, you know? And, 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 you know, it was just, I don't know. It was just a kind of cool thing that, you know, obviously she's no dummy. And, but at the same time, you know, like we were discussing, you know, there is this kind of connection between them and he's kind of like, no, like you, you, as long as you're of use to me, I'm not going to, to kill you. Just don't, you know, don't slip up and don't be fucking dumb and don't blackmail me and, do any stupid shit and we'll be all good you know so yeah it, it is kind of funny that Raptory says that she she's like i can't be really dumb and stupid sometimes so just remember lightsaber you know just lightsaber my head you know yeah please, yeah, please. I, I like the i like the fact that she's conscious of who she is you know yeah yeah and and don't track any sand into the shit <laughs> i <hate> that shit <laughs> Um, yeah, there's also there's there's also a nice little moment with Triple uh, Zero and BT where um, they're in the bowels of the uh, Geonosian pit, and that, that's where we first see the uh, I guess you'd say the uh, Geonosian light battle droids, and you know he's like, uh, well, not really me- meant for combat. His, 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 he's sadistic. He's like a torture droid, but he he doesn't have any combat abilities. He's he's just very you know sneaky. Like yeah, he's, like, he's a protocol, but he's just like C three PO. So. Yeah, and then, like, the uh, fucking kamikaze droid just goes whoop-ass and kills all of me. It's like, oh, yes, that'll do very good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like, I, I like I like their dynamic, you know. It seems like they kind of understand each other. He's like, you like to kill? I'll let you kill, and I'll enjoy it. <laughs> well, it's funny because basically what happens is the, the, the mirror Spock Chewbacca or whatever, you know, Chrysantin ends up hailing their ship after they have this successful raid on the droid factory and so he's he's caught this i guess stooge who basically was working for the emperor you know that that vader walked in on a conversation and was like who is this and the emperor's like oh no one you need concern yourself with you know or whatever but of course he he had he had uh 
you know, the bounty hunters track this guy down. And apparently this guy's name, well, they, they don't know what his name is at first. And then it's like, you know, like you're saying, triple zero's like, oh, well, you know, this is my specialty, you know? And he's like all like excited, <laughs> yeah. like, cause he's going to torture the hell out of this guy for the Intel and everything. And so it, it, there is that funny, you know, black humor moment where, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news, Lord Vader. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like carry on. It's like, what's the good news? Well, we know his name is Dr. Silo Four, and we know that, you know, the Emperor is hiring a set of rivals to, you know, like totally, you know, supplant you as his right hand. And then it's kind of like, well, what's the bad news? You know, and he's kind of like, you know, he's like, go ahead and dispatch him or whatever. This sounds good to me. And he's like, oh, well, no, there, there is no bad news then because I've, I've already dispatched <laughs> Double him. Good news. You know, I've already <laughs> killed him. Like, it turns out it's great news all around. <laughs> so, yeah, it just made me laugh. It's just like, it's just like, damn, he's such a, yeah, he's like, I don't know, yeah. Like I said, that's why I, that's why I chose him as an avatar. He just he is that just he's just so fucking happy about killing things, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you have this guy who comes in who seems like he's a lackey, and he did. So yeah, that that that, that, that he is very creepy looking, by the way. Um, uh, the art, like you know, uh, Derek said, you know, is by a well known artist. But like this guy, he's just like half his face is kind of human. But he's got like what looks like to me like a Greedo eye, like you know, surgically implanted on the other side of his face, and like, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I will admit, I mean, I'm not easily creeped out, but that that was kind of fucking creepy looking. Yeah, it's it's interesting because in in the next issue, basically, they even though they killed Doctor Silo four, it's like basically this is the where they introduce you to all these potential, you know, rivals for. Uh, for Darth Vader, basically. And, like, the, the first set of rivals we're introduced to are these twins, I guess. I, I, I would imagine they're they're probably influenced by Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver or something, you know, like in the Marvel movies. But it, yeah. it's it's a character, the, the male is named Morit, and the, the female is named Aeolin. And, like, and, and, and what's interesting is Vader stumbles upon them, and then this was, like, my favorite line, because it, it kind of twists things like the series does and turns your expectation a little bit, but sort of delivers upon expectation at the same time. And he basically sees them, and they're, like, these genetically manipulated rivals, so they, 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 they can't use the Force but they're somehow genetically manipulated so that they can use telekinesis and they are trained in how to wield lightsabers and all this other stuff. And so he looks at them and they, and, and they look kind of like Jedi too. They have like very bright clothing and stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he looks at them when they, they use their, their sort of faux telekinesis and everything. And he's just like, the force is weak with you, you know, like, and I was just kind of like, Oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. You know, like, I like that. Like that was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. And Cause it, like, yeah, he brings he brings the door down. He's like, that, that was not with the force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the, he's like, he's like, he's like poser bullshit. <laughs> the poser bullshit. You are no Jedi. Yeah, exactly. No, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and and so we we find out they're actually backed by Doctor Silo, but it's not Doctor Silo Four who we know that Triple Zero you know, basically murdered in the last issue, but it seems like he's kind of like a, a Cylon or whatever from Battlestar Galactica. Like he could upload his, his data, you know, into another body. So he is now Dr. Silo five, you know? And, and like, there's this funny thing where, 
you know, he, he sees, like, you know, of course, the poser bullshit of these fake Jedi and the fact that this guy is downloading his essence into other bodies and everything. And he's just kind of like, this is blasphemy. You know, like, this is bullshit. Like, what is this? And, and this, is, this is the part where, where I was talking about before where the Emperor shows up to to watch, you know, this display, basically, of, of all these, you know, machine and genetic rivals for Vader. And and he, he says that nasty shit about, you know, forgive Lord Vader, because he is sensitive when it comes to the topic of children or whatever. And that that's how that that issue ends. But it's just like, oh, man, you're, you're such a fuck like asshead emperor you know like it's like he's so mean yeah and like i said like he he's always looking for something better he's like why don't we try out your like seven new candidates against lord vader which yeah darth vader's pretty badass but it was like here you go fight all these new guys you don't know how to fight <laughs> well because well, it's funny because when you get to the next issue it's like he they, they, you know they go through some stuff but you know, it's like you've got those two twins we talked about. There's this weird amped up Trandoshian, which, again, you know, Silo 5 says to the Emperor, look, if you don't want it to be a Trandoshian, we could outfit this equipment onto a Rancor and it would do your bidding. Like, it doesn't have to be that particular race. And he's like, yes, yes, go on, go on. You know, and then it turns out there's this weird sort of Lobot type droid imperial officer with mental powers and her name's Tulan Voidgazer. So she's kind of weird. Like she's got these weird kind of like glass goggle eyes or whatever. And it looks like she can like control like, like probe droids and those little, you know, she kind of pissed me off because I was like, Oh my God, it's fucking Gundam. Like, you know, new type shit with the like fin funnels and shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Except for the fin funnels. It's like, she's she's controlling those little, uh, the, what do they call those things? The where, where they do the Jedi training and those like spinner balls that like blast out and stuff. So it's like, yeah, yeah. She's got a whole ton of those around her training training droid. Yeah. And then of course, and, the, and these 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 are weird though because they they have lightsabers that project out of them. Yeah, yeah. And then and then it's like Mike's favorite, the the Admiral Akbar Calamari General Grievous guy, and his name is Commander Carbon. So. Yeah, they're really a really strange assortment of people, but like, but man, like Silo Silo Five is a dick. He's just very. It's like it, it's not that he's outwardly dickish as far as like. I, I don't know how to describe it. He's just very very happy with himself. He's like, I have the future. Look at my future. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and 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 the, I guess my point with the emperor was like, the, there's this exchange between them where he's kind of like, after all this shit goes down, and then I guess the Trandoshian gets killed, and it's like he's fighting with Vader, and then one of the twins, the the male Morit, he ends up killing him and vader's like that kill was mine and all this other shit and basically it ends with the emperor kind of saying look you guys go do what you want as long as i didn't know about it go ahead and do whatever you know like that's basically what he says and 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 then vader and him have this conversation it's kind of like dr silo was training those twins for the last 20 years like you were thinking about replacing me 20 years ago you know like like what the fuck like that's you know it's like come on man like and it's like i was and that's what we do with sith like give it well i remember like i i have that big like uh um like star wars like old you know those like visual ultimate visual guides yeah 
that mm-hmm. yeah like i have i have the one like for like revenge of the sith and like i remember reading like where it says like uh unfortunately like like it should like it's the post you know lava bath darth vader page and like there's a little like blurb where it says like you know unfortunately like darth vader turns out to be far less of an ideal like enforcer slash apprentice than that palpatine was expecting so he probably as soon as you know he fixed him and stuff he's probably like okay well this is a good like you know you know rental model but i need a like better one now yeah Actually, that is something very interesting you bring up, Mike, because me and Derek actually didn't bring this up. <clears throat> there, there's more than a few times, like, Tag says it and the Emperor says it. They, they they make this reference that Vader is much better as a blunt instrument, as, like, a weapon, instead of an actual, like, you know, independent, like, you know, creative-thinking individual who can help further the, the, the Imperial goal by, you know, basically being a self-sufficient person who can take control he's like you don't command because you're a you're, you're a weapon you know tag even says that's like your lightsaber you're my lightsaber and it's like damn you guys are dicks <laughs> well and then, and then that's also going back to the whole like did vader fail like di- is is there some kind of character arc for him to accomplish and it's like oh well you know maybe at the beginning of this story he was a blunt instrument you know what I mean? But as as yeah, he continues yeah. to have these dealings with the underworld and and kind of, you know, get the upper hand on all his rivals and all this other stuff that's going on, then he he becomes less that, you know, and more the schemer and 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 able to sort of play the game as, you know, as a player, not as as the instrument of somebody else's will. Yeah, yeah, totally. I just like it's interesting Mike brought it up because I was like, yeah, in the first few issues, you know, <clears throat> the Emperor is like, he's still proud of his apprentice, but more along the lines of like, like, honestly, it kind of seemed like the Darth Maul thing because in the first Phantom Menace, like the first movie, the Phantom Menace with the prequels, I always got the idea that like Sidious was like, hmm, Darth Maul is really good at kicking ass. I'm going to have him kick ass. That's yeah, about it. <laughs> yeah, that's about all he did. Yeah, and, and then when he was not so yeah. good at kicking ass, he had to find somebody else. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, and, and this, I don't know if this was abundantly obvious to you guys or not, but the, the, the sequence after this where Boba Fett checks in with Vader and tells him the boy's name is Skywalker, and then there's that sequence where basically he, you know, gets angrier and angrier, and he's like cracking the 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 windows of the star destroyer he's on and everything as he's you know having these flashbacks and memories and things like that like that's actually uh, pretty much it's it's swiped wholesale from the star wars monthly title too so it's i I don't know if that was obvious or not but like if you've if you've read the monthly book it's it's one of those things where you know how sometimes they have the the mega crossovers and you see the same scene just drawn by a different artist or whatever like that's that's what that was basically but that's you can, you can, but the, the funny thing is like in that scene you can always you can really see in the back of vader's head he's like i'm in a self-sufficient atmosphere suit i don't care if i break this fucking window you guys can all die yeah does Fett does Fett know that Vader is Anakin Skywalker? Like that scene read to me like he does know, but like it was kind of unspoken between them. Hmm. But I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer that really. I don't think he know. I mean, it's never spelled. I mean, as as far as the context of the the Marvel comics, it's never explicitly spelt out. Like I, I would, I would say 
since we flat out aren't told, I, I might say no, but but uh, that doesn't mean that your reading of the scene is invalid either, because there's nothing that that could specifically prove that that's not I true mean, either. Like Fett, Fett and Anakin Skywalker have interacted before, like in that Clone Wars cartoon, haven't they? So like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I don't know, just the and, way the the scene was framed and written where, where like, I don't know. It's sort of like Boba Fett. It's like almost like a dramatic pause where he's like, the pilot's name is Skywalker. And then there's like, you know, the reaction shot of Vader's back. And then Boba Fett's like, we're done here. You know, we're done here. Like, you know, mic drop, like, goodbye. The, the only, the only thing I would question is I, I could tell that Kieran Gillen watched all the movies to get his inspiration for making this canon story. I, I was about but, to, yeah. But, I'm I'm almost ninety nine point nine percent positive he did not watch the seasons of Clone Wars. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. that's the only thing. But but that doesn't negate that interpretation. They, they, they play they play they play fast and loose with Boba Fett and Darth Vader because I remember even when I was a kid way back in Empire when Empire came out, and after I got a little bit older and I can understand context and stuff, I had a lot of my friends who would say like. Does Darth Vader know Boba Fett? And I'm like, why? It's like, because he has all these like bounty hunters, and he actually looks at him. And he's like, no disintegrations, and like Boba Fett has the only speaking line. You know, he's like, as you wish. You know, kind of implying that maybe he's hired Boba Fett before. Obviously, shown in this, he has. But I mean, back then that didn't exist. Yeah. So even back then, people were like, do, do these guys know each other? So th there's always been that kind of speculation. Come on, guys. We all know he knows him from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Which is still totally in canon. Now that you've got their trust, they may take you to their new base. This time we'll get them all. I see why they call you the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. Let um, me stab my Tyrannosaurus with a stick. <laughs> so, so I mean, that kind of wraps up the first big arc of Darth Vader. And then, I guess, I mean, I, I'd like to keep talking about it. I don't know, like, I know, Tony, you said you only got up to, like, issue nine. Did you read all the other issues, Mike, or what did you get up to? Yeah, I read up to issue 12. Okay, so are you okay with us bullshitting about the stuff that you haven't gotten up to, Tony? Um, I can honestly say, and this is not me, like, plugging the series... I was really busy this week with work and whatnot. Um, so it was not due to lack of interest. I just didn't have enough time to read all the issues. So spoilers are fine because I'm going to read them anyway because I'm enjoying the series. So that, that's fine. Okay, cool, cool. All right. So, I mean, basically the, the second book of, of the Darth Vader Marvel title is labeled as Shadows and Secrets. And that deals with the next six issues, which basically, you know, we'll, we'll finish off at issue 12 when we're talking about this. But, you know, at that point in the story, Vader heads back to Tatooine. He, he heads to Luke's home. And then he also heads to a location where he ended up fighting with Boba Fett in the Star Wars monthly title. Now, what's interesting about that is they try to uh, play off the continuity because I guess I'm trying to remember the exact details, but like, I, I think like a, a flashbang goes off or something like that. So like Luke can't see. And like, so he's sort of like using the force to see and yeah. depending on R2D2 to see and stuff like that. And so I guess that explains why I guess if, 
you know, maybe the first time Luke meets Boba Fett is in the holiday special or in Empire or whatever. It, or in this, Empire, yeah. This, he's, not, this, he's not like Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. does not negate that. It's just it, he, he happened to fight a bounty hunter and he just didn't see what he looked like. And it turns out it was Boba Fett. Um, and, and then, you know, they end up basically purging the evidence of that fight because they basically atomize the whole location and everything. And then, you know, Vader ends up tracking down this Rodian space pirate with his stormtrooper squadron. And there's this pretty cool scene. Uh, you know, I don't know. So, some of the storytelling was a little clunky in that sequence. Cause sometimes I wasn't sure exactly what was going on, but ultimately like what happens is he sort of uses the force to, feed this Rodian to like his own rampaging like beast that's like running around in the background and everything. And so now basically all that contraband that that Rodian owned belongs to the empire. And so at the end yeah. of that, uh, there is uh, a number of bounty hunters, uh, one of which we're familiar with, which is Bosk from empire strikes back. But then there is another IG model um, which is IG-90, which is basically just a red version of IG-88. And then there's this, like, little midget dude named B-Box. And so they all come to this pit fight where Kersantin is fighting in the middle of the a pit, and they're kind of like, how did they get Kersantin in there? Like, he doesn't want to be a slave. Like, he's a, he's a bounty hunter, you know? But it's like, oh, Kersantin volunteered. Like, he likes getting into pit fights and ripping off people's arms and everything. And so basically at the end of that issue, we find out that Dr. Afra is planning this cool heist of all that Rodian uh, loot that is now belonging to the empire, like all these credits and everything like that. And then the, the heist, the, the IGA thing, yeah. the IGA thing like threw me because I, I, I am a big fan of the expanding universe as you guys know. And I think Mike would know about this since he read the Bounty Hunter story. There was actually IG-88, and then there was IG-87, who was kind of like the uh, precursor to him. And IG-88 had like three copies of him. It was like IG-88A, IG-88B, IG-88C. And uh, his whole idea was to be like this big, you know, um, he wanted to take over the Death Star. He yeah. put his consciousness in the second Death Star. And, you know, he had all these IG-88 clones running around. One of them got killed in Shadows of the Empire. And IG, IG-87 was just, you know, uh, whatever, lackey and stuff like that. So what I, And then, to get even more confusing, I'm sorry to do this, listeners, but just deal with me because this confused the fuck out of me. In the prequels, uh, fucking General Grievous's bodyguards, those guys with the cloaks and stuff, those are IG-100s. They're apparently a better version of IG-88, and I'm just like... At that point, I really got just I, I got to the point where I was like, what the fuck is going on with this character? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was weird that even in that Tales of the Bounty Hunter thing, how it ended with his consciousness inside the Death Star and then he got blown up. Like, and I was just like, really? Like yeah. that? I was like, OK, my crappy plan ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, I, I just, you know, to me, I was like, oh, OK, well, this isn't to me. I was like, he, he's literally like a red shirt IG model because he's painted red, you know, like, cause yeah. it's like, Oh, if anything happens to him, it doesn't mess up continuity later on basically. But uh, this totally yeah. doesn't screw up empire. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah, this, this is some other IG asshole or whatever. But what's funny is, I mean, ultimately like the heist is successful. They, they have this kind of, it, it's, it's this complex plan where basically they, they blow a hole in, the Star Destroyer, and they they fake that 
they are part of an asteroid field, and then they blow all the credits into space, and then BT-1 uses, like, this magnet to collect all the credits, but then it's like a double cross, because Afra basically acts like they only got so many of the credits, and so they, they split up all the credits amongst the, the four bounty hunters, but then it turns out it was, like, a triple cross, because, like, Chrysanthemum was in on it, and it's like there's really a whole hell of a lot more credits that they collected with the magnet than they let Bosk and Bbox and IG90 know. So basically now Darth Vader has a droid factory. He's got all these credits to hire bounty hunters whenever he needs. And so then, you know, like in that sense, it's like, oh, total score. Like we, we you know, we, we basically have all the resources for Vader's private sort of ex escapades and stuff like that. But what's interesting is then when Vader goes back to see uh, Grand General Tag, he's basically like assigning all these different rivals and Vader their duties, right? And so they want to hunt down this team of rebels called the Plasma Devils, and they're basically supposed to be like this hardcore rebel group that blew up a bunch of different places and stuff like that. And then in, in a, you know, in a sense of irony, you know, of the story, it's like Tag assigns Vader to find the thieves who heisted all the Imperial credits, not knowing that he basically is the guy who heisted all the Imperial credits. And then they introduce a new character, <laughs> which I, I thought it turned out to be quite an interesting character. Um, but it's a it's a new Imperial officer, uh, basically Vader's new adjutant since the last one was revealed to be a traitor. And it's a guy named Inspector Thanoth. And he appears to be a lot more smarter. He's 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 a much he, much he quicker. Capable, on his, yeah. You know, he seems like a capable guy. He's He's got gray in his hair. You can see he's been around the block, you know, and stuff like that. And and he can already tell like he's he's kind of got that whole you know, he's like the Sherlock Holmes of the Imperial fleet or some shit, because he's like, oh, Lord Vader, I noticed the space dust on your boots indicates that you were already at that planet. And it's like, really? He's like, well, yes, I was. And it's like, okay, then, like, let's go, you know, and like that kind of thing. And it's like, you are capable. You know, it's like, you're not a fucking moron. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, now I have to be extra careful around you. You know, so it's this layer of kind of, you know, I mean, obviously, and, and, like... He, he, knows how to, he knows how to speak, too, when he speaks. Like, he says things that are intelligent, so Vader is like, I would like to kill you, but you're kind of, you know, useful in a certain way. Like, you well, know, it's he, like, he, it's, not like, it's not like a respect thing, it's like he's more like... I have to watch, I have to keep an eye on you. <laughs> well, no, you know, I mean, useful can be relative, right? I mean, it, it can keep Vader sharp, right? He's got to gotta be able to play the game, right? And so, like, I guess you find all these, these individuals that Vader keeps running into, you know, they keep honing his skills and shaping the person that he'll be by the time you get to the Empire Strikes Back. So, I mean, th this guy obviously plays a huge role in being, you know, in, in some ways... Uh, uh, he, he, he's a conflict, he's an obstacle for Vader to overcome, but he's also, in some ways, shaping the character that Vader will become as well, you know? So, I, I, I think he's pretty interesting. Yeah. He, he, he's inadvertently helping him. He's, like, not doing it because he wants to, he's just, like, by keeping Vader, like, you know, having to stay one step ahead, he's, like, making Vader a more capable opponent, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, because that's the thing, like, immediately, then, in the next issue, he basically goes to the planet 
to kill a bunch of rebels so he can draw suspicion away from himself in the theft because he says, oh, well, the reason why I had that space dust on my boots was because I killed this rebel cell of terrorists. And they're like, you didn't report it? And he's like, ah, I didn't think it was worth bothering. Rebel scum. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, of course, he does that after the fact. But it's to hide his tracks. And, you know, like you say, Vader has all these cool lines. And I, I think like, he's like, he's like, rebel scum. Am I right? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, no, what I, what I liked is like, he says, uh, you know, something about like one of your many shortcomings, you know, like your slowness or whatever. It's like, I've been waiting here forever. It's like, finally, you showed up so I can kill you all. Um, yeah. So the way that the plot goes is that Inspector Thanoff and Vader end up going to this fighting arena that are made up of droids, and they end up finding that those twins, Morit and Aeolan, are already there, and they're already stirring up shit. And, you know, I, I think the idea was Thanoff really wanted to be subtle, you know, maybe just him and Vader pumping a guy for information, you know, somewhere off to the side, being on the sly, you know, not alerting all the underworld elements that the Empire was on to this this robbery. But of course, now there's a whole squadron of stormtroopers there and those twins are stirring up shit, you know, basically, you know, doing poser bullshit, you know, and, 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 you know, lightsaber <laughs> shit and everything. And, you know, and so it's funny, they find a guy that they wanted to interrogate named Duan, who basically is like the, the underworld's version of Kit Fisto, I guess. I imagine they're the same race or something. Um, yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, like, typically, like, squid guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he looks like, you know, Kit Fisto, but like a scummy underworld version of Kit Fisto or whatever, and so he ends up telling them, look, I, you know, I can tell you a little bit about the Plasma Devils, and you gotta go talk to this guy named the Dragon, and then it's like, okay, well, we're gonna turn him over to the twins, and then the twins sort of foolishly kill that guy, even though they probably could have pumped him for more information or whatever. But that kind of works out to Vader's advantage. And so then Astra docks her ship and meets with this guy, this informant, basically. He's like an information trader who's named the Ante. And, like, you know what's weird? It's like, did he, like, feel like an homage to you guys, that character? Like, I, I thought his face kind of looked like either the, the, the weird guy from Bad Taste, like that Peter Jackson movie, or like he kind of looked a little bit like the Scream Mask to me. I don't know, but like an alien version of it. I don't know. Anyway, I, I thought he had an interesting, like weird looking face, that guy. Um, there there is there is actually <clears throat> oh God, I can't even remember if I remember it. There there is an alien race. I think they're called the Given, mm -hmm. who uh they actually showed up in I think a new hope. One of the background characters, one of the background characters who gets like, you know, 17 entries on Wikipedia. But like, yeah, they have that kind of weird, like, melty skull face look kind yeah, of to yeah. them. And okay. Was, so it, was I, that, I that was, that like, yeah, in the, yeah, you like probably have guy, seen the pool. Was it probably like a guy in the back of the cantina or something like that? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like definitely one of those, just, you know, like, if you, if you blink, you'll miss some kind of guy. So, because I, I, I noticed that too, I was like, that guy looks familiar. And I, uh, as, as Mike was pointing out, you know, the uh, various resource books, there's there's a essential guide to alien species. And I was like, I think that's the given. And yeah, I'm a nerd. And I like like looked. I was like, oh yeah, the melty skull face guy. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> cool. 
Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so so after they get the information, like the key bit of information they get at the end of that issue is that she finds out about the mortician who basically took care of Queen Amidala's body on Naboo. So they basically, you know, they, you know, Afra and her team head to Naboo to assault this guy named Comedex Tawn to find out what he knows about Amidala, like before her untimely demise, basically. And then in the meantime, you've got uh, Inspector Thanoth and Vader, and they find that guy, the dragon, who basically looks like uh, one of the Max Rebo band members or whatever. You know, he's like the elephant guy with the blue schnoz or whatever and like what's funny is like vader ends up killing him right away to hide his own involvement but like again like inspector thanoff uh is is no stranger to being around the block so it's like there's this like safe that they have to open and like basically it'll probably like self-destruct or something and he's got to be very careful but i guess he he you know he he plays the odds and ends up getting the information and opening the vault and everything like that and in the meantime like afra's on naboo and you find out some bits about her like that her mom died in the war and then, you know, Tony's favorite, Triple Zero, gets to interrogate Comedex Tawn, and he basically gives up the fact that Queen Amidala had a son. So, like, that's, you know, that that's, that's one of the major... You, you know what was weird? Like, I don't think I've ever thought of Luke Skywalker in this way before, but, like, technically, like, that makes him, like, a royal bloodline of Naboo, too, in a weird way. So I guess I never really... I guess I, that never really occurred to me, but technically, I guess he, you know, it's like one of those things like, Lone Star, you're a prince! And I was like, oh, I never really thought of Luke Skywalker <laughs> as a prince before, but I guess in some ways he is, right? So, I mean, he, he's the son of a queen, so yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, Derek, if you want, I, I threw a picture of the... Yeah, I just I just looked at it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that is the, the given, so you're dead on, man. So see, that, that's why it's good to have you around to tell me these things. Yeah, like the whole lineage of the Skywalker family is like, wow, yeah, they they are kind of royalty in a way because you know, you not only are they Naboo royalty, but then you have Princess Leia getting adopted by the royal family of Alderaan, like royalty everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and so so you know, of course, Triple Zero ends up, you know, once he's done interrogating that guy, he ends up killing him off, and of course, Afra reports that intel to Vader that you know Amidala had a son and that it was all covered up. Like, I guess they tried to make it look like her her burial like that she was still pregnant like so that the twins died with her but you know or or that they they, they don't even seem to know that there were twins you know all the, all he gave up was that there was a son so i guess maybe you know you might think he's a douchebag for giving up that information but it's like he sort of didn't give up the information on you know leia so i mean in some sense he's still kind of hiding some information or whatever and then i guess in um basically at the the end scene it seems like vader thinks he's kind of being slick but th there is this little bit of like information where as they kind of do a close up on his head closer and closer you see like he might actually be uh monitored by an outside source so they're kind of laying the groundwork for stuff that's going to come later on and everything and then i guess we you know i'm just kind of zooming through the other issues and stuff but you know i don't know if mike has anything to chime in about on on the last issue or not 
No, not really. Okay. I mean, you you pretty much covered anything I wanted to you might have wanted to touch on. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I guess uh, you know, in, in the follow up issue, I guess you know, Afra's seeing that guy, the ante, who we you know basically Tony helped us out to know that he's a given, and and he's basically trying to pump that guy for info on Vader's rivals. And also, you know, information about where Luke Skywalker is currently. And then what's funny is at that same time, Thanoth and Vader are leading this strike force straight to them. So there's this kind of interesting, like, you know, Vader's sort of working against himself, but sort of still walking the tightrope rather excellently, you know, in this story and everything. So, uh, you know, the stormtroopers bust in. And since Afra's there, it's like BT-1 and triple zero or they're playing like hollow chess or whatever and so it's funny like bt1 ends up opening fire on this guy that triple zero was playing hollow chess with and it's like triple zero was gonna like shake his hand and murder him anyway for like it you know it'd be like if i lost a, a game of xbox one to mike or whatever and it's like you know triple zero is like a sore loser he'll like electrocute you to death for for uh, beating you in a hollow chess match or whatever. <laughs> so it turns out BT1, <laughs> BT1 does the same thing. He will thing. not let the Wookiee win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. BT1 opens fire on this guy, and then what's funny is then everybody gets confused. So it's like, what? Somebody fired? And then like all of a sudden the stormtroopers open fire, and then all the criminals open fire, and it turns into this big old shootout and everything like that. And in the middle of the battle, the ante gives up the, the rebel guys, the plasma devils, and then and then says, oh, and, and by coincidence, you know, the woman you were looking for that stole all those Imperial credits, you know, who just paid me off for information on Luke Skywalker is right over there. You know, and of course, Luke's name doesn't come up, but it's like, oh, it's that that woman over there, you know, and it's like, oh, quickly, we have to get after her and everything. And what's funny is. You know, basically that character, the auntie doesn't really name her by name but he's about to and and then there's this cool sequence where there's a, a stray laser blast and it's about to hit one guy and vader just basically redirects it so it hits the the given guy the ante and then he dies right away right away and it's kind of like shame shame that he could have provided us so much more intel it's it's really really too bad yes too bad you know like that kind of thing that was going on there <laughs> and um when Vader catches up with Afra, like he he kind of beats all the stormtroopers to the punch, and he pretty much is about to choke her to death, but then she's kind of like, "I know where Luke Skywalker is," and and he's kind of like, "Okay, let, then tell me," and he's like, "She's like, not yet. Like I don't want you to fucking choke me. So meet me somewhere else." And he's like, "All right, fine." And then, you know, he ends up making it look like Afra like, set off a bomb or something, but he just uses the force to, like, topple a bunch of, you know, rafferting and sealing all on top of them and everything. And then, you know, basically the issue ends with Thanoth coming in and going, ah, so she set a trap for you, but we've set a trap for her. And there's this big blockade out there in, you know, space. So when her ship launches, it's like, and she gets through like the cloud field or whatever, there's going to be like all these Imperial star destroyers and tie fighters and ships waiting for her and everything. I, I feel like the first half of this story was a lot more memorable than the second, like the, the second six issues, okay. like the second six issues kind of felt to me like, I don't know, like 
setup for the the whatever the I know what's coming next is some big crossover yeah, like yeah. Vader Vader down yeah. or whatever. So you just so. thought it was kind of more a setup for that story. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't not I like I'm I like you tell like giving the summary and stuff. I'm just kind of I'm like remembering that I read this. Like I'm kind of like what did that when did that happen and <laughs> I think the only thing that jumped out at me was like the ghost face alien cuz I thought that too, but that, that's about it. Okay. And and then so basically in the in the final chapter, uh, it, I I thought this was kind of clever, but Vader kind of uses reverse psychology on Inspector Thanoth because it's like oh it's like we've got Afra now like we're totally gonna capture her, but then it's kind of like hey you know what by the way we could be hunting down the plasma devils right now and it's like yes we could in fact that information might be getting stale. And it's like almost this funny thing where it's like he did a Jedi mind trick on Thanos because Thanos just like, may I make a bold suggestion, Lord Vader? And it's like, yes, you may. Maybe we should stop hunting down this Afro girl and go after the plasma devils. Sounds totally good to me, bro. Let's do that. You know, it's kind of like they just they stop the pursuit and go after the plasma devils. Basically, you know, I mean, the logic is sound. He's like saying, look, th this intel might be not be fresh and usable if we spend all this time hunting down a thief. And, you know, the inspector's kind of like, look, nobody knows this thief, like, pulled the wool over our eyes. But everybody knows the plasma devils bombed the shit out of the Empire. So we should totally hunt them down first and then you know the, the, to me like this was another moment where i i keep talking about like moments where vader gets to show off his badassery and like this was a moment where that happened because they go after the plasma devils and there's like a y-wing taking off and it's like okay we're gonna take off and blah, blah 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 and we're gonna go after the empire and like there's this badass scene of vader and he just throws his fucking lightsaber into the y-wing's engine and blows the whole fucking thing up and like this big two-page spread and that was pretty cool. i was like that's yeah. fucking badass like vader is super fucking cool and like that was to me that was like one of the memorable scenes of this this arc or whatever and stuff and and i mean you know it, it's almost like even though they built up the plasma devils to be like this big rebel cell like that it was a big deal i mean they're it, other than that scene they're almost crushed like off panel and, like, you know, Thanoth and Vader are like, boy, that was really awesome. You know, like, we, we really did a number on those guys, you know, and stuff like that. And and then they, you know, they have a scene basically where, you know, Vader meets up with Dr. Aphra later on another planet. And she tells him that Luke Skywalker is on this planet called Rogus Voss. And then basically the issue ends with the mon calamari general grievous looking dude commander carbon and like obviously he's the one who's been spying on vader this whole time with the little probe thing from the other issue and he's kind of setting up a trap for vader and like mike said this does lead into this big <laughs> it's a trap it's a trap it's kind of the irony there um yeah this does lead into another crossover I have read the first two parts of it. I'm not going to go into it on this show, but all I'll say is that I was kind of worried because the, basically it's like it starts in a book called Vader Down, which is a one-off, and then it continues in Darth Vader, and then it's going to continue in Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where it goes back and forth. And like I said, I've not been a huge fan of the ongoing Star Wars title, so part of me was like, oh, man, like, 
they got to ruin this book by crossing it over with another book already. But what I've read of it so far has been pretty fucking cool. So that's that's all I'll really say about it. But I mean, I I enjoyed what I read so far. So, um, I mean. I guess I'm biased because I picked this because I really did enjoy it and liked it. I, I, I'd say the only criticism I have of it is probably has nothing to do with quality. I might suggest like this kind of reads like, you know, your typical modern comic where it's written for the trade. And like, you know, if you're reading like something like you know, I, I would view this like like how I used to read Brian Michael Bendis's Daredevil. Like I wouldn't buy it from issue to issue. You know what I mean? Like, especially like these days where it's like yeah. w- things cost like five bucks a pop. It's like you might as well just, you know, wait for the trade and get the whole thing, you know, and read like six issues at once because you'll go through it like like nothing, you know. So but that's I mean, I don't know. To me, that's kind of minor criticism or whatever. But that's that's the only other thing that I would say on this. As far as as far as like the, the issues I've read, like I said, not due to like of interest. I think probably the strongest thing is they gave Vader a supporting cast, which is really important because if it was just Vader, and even though I'm like you, I, I do like like the idea of a badass Vader, if he had no one to really intermingle with or yeah. like talk to, if it was just like Boba Fett, you know, like talking every like couple issues, like you do this thing, yeah, do that thing, cool, I'm glad you did that thing. It would, yeah, it would get really boring really quickly. Yeah, so. No, I get this image of like a Star Wars and Boba Fett book where it's just like, I'm going to Solist as you wish. I'm going to go take out the TIE fighter and shoot some rebels down as you wish. I'm going to like go rape your mom, <laughs> yeah. Boba Fett, as you wish. You know? Wait, what was that last one? Wait, wait, hey, whoa, wait. what? You trying to pull a fast oh, hold on. Fighter. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, you almost got me there. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so like, yeah, Astro and the droids, you know, all the, all those guys, even even like the villains, you know, like the well, not even the villains, the antagonists, I guess you would say, the the guys who are like, you know, trying to get Vader's job, like that that's that's good interplay, you know, it's it's fun to see, you know, it's like it it lends credence not only to the storytelling, but also helps make Vader look like more of a badass, which is what you're trying to do with this series, and I, I said this in a Batok post a long time ago. Uh, two or three months, a long time ago. But uh, I think one of the things that they're really trying to do, especially with Disney and probably Marvel, you know, since they're, you know, uh, in charge of the license now, they're, they're, they're trying to kind of wash away the stink of whiny Anakin. They're trying to make you think Darth Vader's a badass, which I have no problem with. I think that's that's a really good route to take. So I, I enjoy the nine issues I read. I'm, I'm going to read the rest. It's up to, like, what, 15 now? No, it's just it's up to number thirteen because it's just like we we read book oh. one through twelve. So the Vader down, I mean, it's like Vader down had a single thing, and then the second part of it was in issue thirteen. So it's not oh. it's not that far along. I mean, they 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 had a couple issues. Like it's interesting. This started, I think, technically in what like January or February. I don't know, some something like that. And it's 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 almost been a year's worth of of issues. You know, so. So, I mean, you know, I I think I agree with what you said in in the sense that, like, this this is something that helps me wash away the stink of McWhiny bitch. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those (laughs) things where I I enjoy reading it and he comes off as sufficiently badass. I mean, I've said the same thing about 
the uh, opening of the the Rebels season two, you know, that that he came off as really cool yeah. that as well, you know. So it's like if there's more stuff, if there's more content like that, I mean, I mean, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where if, if you get mad with the way people fanboy up Batman or something like that, and and you apply that logic to Darth Vader, I I could see people kind of getting sick of it, you know, maybe. But I'm not there, you know what I mean? Like I I think Vader's got a lot to overcompensate for so i'm fine with seeing this at this point in time given the context of of where the character's been before this you know it's like i don't mind you know seeing invader down him taking on an entire rebel army and being like super badass you know like but i i could see it where you know it, maybe if you kind of got sick of it after a while you know but you know for for me it's like yeah. I, I i think this was really cool and and i totally recommend checking it out if you were sort of on the fence about you know some of the marvel comics or whatever and you weren't sure if you wanted to check them out i i wholeheartedly give my stamp of approval to the, the Darth Vader comic. So, like I said, I, I would repeat what I said. Where I think the first six issues were pretty strong, and then I mean the the, the next six issues weren't bad, but I I don't remember a lot from them. Basically, was it was it in the second six issues where it was just an uh, an issue that focused on uh, what's her name, Afra? Yeah, like yeah, well, that, I, like, that was like Darth... where, that was where she was like setting yeah. up the. The, yeah. the heist and all that stuff like there wasn't a whole lot of darth vader in that issue yeah that's i was kind of like wait what what happened where's vader <laughs> but... <clears throat> but you know i mean like you know you gotta, gotta you know well, get, get I, I think, I think it... non-squeeze a little bit of time you know <laughs> well, no, i i mean i think in that sense that's where the criticism of you know i wouldn't read these issue by issue you know like if you had read the trade you know, you would have just had to sort of work your way through that issue before you got to Vader again, you know, whereas if you were reading it month to that month, would have just been a chapter, yeah. that, that would have been a chapter and you'd see somebody on Facebook going, I can't believe I paid five dollars for this. This blows, you know, or whatever. So it's like I, I can see that as a, a genuine point of criticism, you know. So I guess I guess that kind of wraps things up on Darth Vader, unless anybody has any other final thoughts. I I, I... The only thing I can say is uh, to add is I really like the covers too. the The covers are really great. So um, you, you mentioned it's Granov, and um, just just in case you guys don't know how good of an artist he is, all those Iron Man movies where Tony does the whole like fist into the ground and he's like got his legs splayed, that is called the Granov pose because he like actually invented that pose for one of the covers. Yeah, he's yeah. Granoff's art is yeah, pretty much what inspired like the movie Iron Man armor. So yeah, I also think it was great when they like. Uh, I'm not always a fan of motion comics, but I, I thought when they made his art into a motion comic, like it was really synchronous. You know, like yeah, it, it worked. Yeah. yeah, I was I was gonna say about the covers. I was like, e even the one where Vader's strutting down the runway is a good cover. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, like the second issue, he just looks badass. He's just like, yeah, I'm fucking beta bitch. Yeah, and there's what? there's there's a lot what? of fun <laughs> alternate covers too. Like the there's that one where it's kind of Empire Strikes Back inspired, where he's like reaching out to Afra, like sort of in a little Cloud City looking area or whatever. Or like there's a funny one for the Vader down sequence where they're they're kind of doing a riff on you know Luke fighting vader in cloud city but instead they've got jackson like the 
the Bucky O'Hare looking rabbit dude from the old Marvel comics <laughs> there and stuff like that. So there's there's some fun stuff like that. So it's like there's fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that kind of you know we're we're kind of running out of steam on the whole Vader thing. But I think what we'll do is we'll we'll take a quick break. We'll play a, another fun Star Wars commercial trailer for another cool podcast. And then when we come back, we're going to go into the second half of our show, which again is Darth Vader related, but we're going to be talking about uh, the Star Wars manga. It's a rare manga called Black and Silver. And specifically, we're going to be talking about a Darth Vader specific story titled Perfect Evil. So stay tuned for that, guys. Okay. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fantasy. Fuck Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com We would be honored if you would join us. Alright, welcome back guys. This is Derek, Derek WC, and we are in our second half of our Darth Vader themed Star Wars podcast. And as promised, we're going to be discussing a rather rare Star Wars manga. It was released as Star Wars Black and Silver. This is a manga that was released by Tokyo Pop in 2006. It's written and illustrated by a gentleman named Hiromotu Shinichi. And essentially, this is this is also set in a similar time frame to the story we we discussed in the the first half. It's it's sort of set prior to the Battle of Yavin, and then it kind of go, works its way through to about Empire Strikes Back. You know, the Battle of Hoth. You know, so I mean, I, I guess the opening though probably takes place much earlier than that, which again is to me. I don't know if you guys have read this at all, but it is kind of reminiscent of the Dark Horse series of one-shots called Purge. Like, basically, it was one of the few things where I was like, oh, Darth Vader's actually killing, like, Jedi. You know, like, I was like, what a surprise! You know, like, because it's like, you know, you don't see a lot of that in the prequels. And in the opening segment of this, you know, they feature, uh, you know, the few, as I like to call them, cocktease color pages of the manga, where everything's actually colored. And... You know, Vader is taking out like two or three Jedi's at, on this. Um, you know, I I think it's I can't remember what the planet's named. It starts with like an S or something like that. Um, but anyway, he he takes out like a a Twi'lek Jedi and you know like some other type. I think of it's Salukami. 
So so anyway, like Vader, Vader does uh, again display some some sufficient badassery when he takes out some Jedi. There is one Jedi that's left remaining. It appears to be the son of one of the slain Jedi, and I guess you know the the idea is supposed to be that the anger that Vader senses in him is so great, you know, that he he basically keeps him alive and secretly trains him as an apprentice. And then and then it's kind of funny. It almost has this abrupt cut to like you you sort of get a replay of like the last 10 minutes of Star Wars but done in a manga style. And you know, they kind of detail how yeah. Vader sort of, you know, shit the boat uh, at the last minute with the Death Star and and you know, they go into some some passages like that, but you know, supposedly at this whole time this young boy, his name is Tao, and, you know, Tao's being trained by Vader, groomed to, to possibly be, you know, his Sith apprentice and learn the ways of the dark side and all that kind of stuff. And he, too, has a it's interesting. He, he has a cybernetic appendage as well. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I couldn't help but think of, you know, Anakin McWhiney bitch when when I saw Tao there, you know, kind of angrily sitting there with his lightsaber and everything yeah i think that was intentional yeah. like for yeah. him to resemble like younger anakin that that he sees some of himself in this boy you know <laughs> he's like if i hadn't choked my wife i might have had a son that looked like this <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much yeah and 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 what's interesting is they they kind of go through the the paces and everything and and then when he yeah again you know similar to the previous piece he he you know th this is a little more simpler but he he gets like a dispatch a communique like hey guess what we found out the guy who blew up the death star his name is luke skywalker and then you know he basically has that kind of <laughs> flashback of of you know his his prequel years and everything and and realizing oh my god you know i i have a son and all this other stuff and and there's this weird scene where you know tau comes in walks in on his master and he's kind of like you seem different master you you almost seem happy you know and it's kind of like i seem happy do i you know like you know let's fight you know like let's train you know like all this other <laughs> shit you know and, and I, I don't know, it's it's kind of a tragic story. I mean, basically, you, you know that he can't do much for this kid, basically, this kid Tao. And and eventually, like, the Emperor... It, it's weird. It, it seems like the insinuation is the Emperor figures out something's amiss. You know, something's rotten in Darth Vader's Denmark. But they end up sort of blame, pinning all the blame on Tao. It's like, you took an apprentice without my approval, you know, and it's like he has Vader, you know, slay this apprentice, you know, strike him down. But, you know, it seems like he's still sort of clinging on to life and he takes him to his home planet and he's going to bury him there. And then there's this really odd sequence of events where I guess, you know, the, the yeah. Tuscan Raider whose toe was stubbed way back in episode two, whose whole family was slaughtered, has been tracking Vader down for years and years and years. And he, he learned fucking basic. He's like, my name is Tuscan Raider. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You know, and he's like all, you know, angry and shit like that. And oh, I was like, oh, my God, it's whore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, like fucking whore. it's whore versus Darth Vader. Yeah, and so that you know, Hor's mad because they murdered his whole fucking family. And he's like, he's like, my name is Hor. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Um, and so like, it, it it it's like, 
he's about to, I mean, Vader's mask gets ripped open and he looks like he's about to get, get served, but I guess, you know, Tao, his last vestiges of, of strength or whatever, you know, he, he defends his master, he slays the Tusken Raider, he too dies and sort of pleads with him, you know, that, you know, I know there's still good in you and that you're a good man underneath all that stuff and, and, you know, don't give into the hate and don't give into the hanger. And, you know, Vader basically buries him, writes his name on the tombstone with a lightsaber, and then goes off to do his Empire Strikes Backy stuff. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the long and short of the story. But, I mean, I just, I I found it sort of compelling. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's a rare story because I don't think it was actually printed or published in America. And then also, I think... You know, it seems like th this kind of story throws Wikipedia into a tizzy, you know, because it's not it, I mean, even, yeah, even, I, I was even I was kind of reading up on the like canon canonicity of it. Yeah, or what, it, it, yeah. it's like they no nobody really wants to acknowledge it as canon. You know, they, they 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 seem comfortable in suggesting that it's an infinite title. But I don't really know. I mean, if Star Wars infinite titles are what ifs. I don't really know what the what if is, you know, like what if Darth Vader found a cool apprentice and then killed him before he met Luke Skywalker? You know, it's kind of like, well, that doesn't quite work yeah. for me. But, you know, if it makes if it makes people on Wikipedia happy, so be it. You know, it's 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 one of those things where it just seemed like even, you know, prior to the the Disney buyout, that expanded universe canonicity was still in question even back then. Yeah, they they, they seem to. Not really. They don't seem to ignore it, but they also don't seem to acknowledge it. They're like, this, this is fun. Just just read it as a story. And it's like, <clears throat> I kind of liked it. I mean, I mean, as, I, I as far as it, it, it's just yeah. I, I can see their point with if you're really trying to reconcile like Vader's quest from the Dark Horse comics or the early Star Wars Marvel comics yeah. or, you know, any of those, the, the Archie Goodwin classic Star Wars strip you know like they, they all seem to have their own version of when luke is revealed to darth vader as the pilot of or as the guy who blew up the death star you know like it seems like even even like uh yeah. that that stupid blackthorn star wars 3d comic has its own version of that you know so i, I was gonna ask you guys are you guys uh, familiar with the force unleashed star wars games i i know of them but i've never actually sat down and played them i can't like i i was curious because like the, the, this this story and they have a sort of similar setup because the protagonist of the force unleashed like video games is like darth vader's like secret apprentice uh, okay. or whatever okay and he's a guy called uh I think it's Gallen Marrick oh, okay. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and okay. like in his code name is Star Killer, which is you know yeah, obviously yeah. a nod. You were weak when I found you. Now your hatred has become your strength. At last, the dark side is your ally. Rise, my apprentice. What is your will, my? But he is, yeah, some some boy who Vader killed his father, and then he sensed, you know, the for, the boy was force sensitive, so he kidnapped him, and then he raised him, like in secret from the Emperor, and he turned him into a like badass Jedi. And then even like like I, I even at the end of the first game, um, 
like he has like this fight with Vader and he knocks Vader's helmet off and stuff. So I, and I was looking it up and like this, this manga came out like two years before that game. So I was wondering if they took some inspiration. Maybe, maybe it's not canon because they're embarrassed that they ripped this fucking Japanese. Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, I, like I bought this, like I would buy this story as canon over those Force Unleashed games because like like those those games like make me laugh and they're like and I don't know their presumption yeah, basically yeah. like because in that game when I like I I never played it but I watched my friend beat it and I was like oh what come on like this this stupid like made up character like beats Darth Vader and makes him cry and knocks his mask off and stuff like before like Jedi <laughs> or Empire Strikes Back and stuff. Like, I don't know, that made me laugh. And then Bail Organa and all those guys are like, yes, we will form this rebel alliance in honor of, like, Starkiller or whatever. And I'm like, what? Come on. Like That's, that's, like, that's like when they do that, that Neil Adams X-Men thing. And it's like, yeah, oh, exactly. Wolverine yeah. actually founded the X-Men. And you're like, what? Yeah, come on. Like, <laughs> but, like. But in contrast, like, this story, like, I didn't get that vibe from this story, where, like, I, like this story seemed a lot more believable, and I'd be willing to accept it more as canon than, the, like, the Force Unleashed games or anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm just saying I can appreciate why it's hard to reconcile not only this story, but any story that deals with the same stomping ground, which is basically post- Battle of Yavin, Vader figuring out that he has a son and that he's alive and his name is Luke Skywalker. Because you can, yeah, I mean, you can sort of fudge certain stories together and, and they all fit, but, you know, eventually you're going to run into something that doesn't quite, you know, it, it's like one of those things where, you know, that way lies madness, you know, trying to, to fit all the Dragon Ball Z movies into the series canon and you're just like sorry dude it just doesn't work you know like and it's the yeah. same thing with these it's like you 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 can fit this into canon it's just you'd have to get rid of all those other stories you know what i mean like you could fit it into the canon yeah. movies but then you know like you say you'd have to get rid of you know what was that thing the force unleashed you know you'd have to get rid of you know maybe vader's quest or you know what, what whatever other stories that it does isn't isn't yeah like isn't there also is that I, I don't know what's the the marvel comic you i think you talked about it the marvel comic like annual or something where vader has an apprentice oh yeah like, yeah, yeah that's a really great story too that's that's star wars annual three but that's that that's kind of interesting because it's it follows like two kids on you know it's supposed to be like a Tatooine like planet you know like a a a, a know nothing rundown planet I I, I want to say see this is bad because I don't remember it off the top of my head but I want to say it's like Joe Duffy wrote it or something like that but it, it and then I think it's like um uh why can't I think of his name. I was trying to think got of a lot of credit for really a Star Wars story, so I wouldn't be surprised. Well, the, the the and the essential plot of it is basically like Luke and the rebellion take down like an Adat factory or whatever, and these two kids help them out. And you know, one of the kids, of course, goes off with the rebellion and and is going to become you know uh, uh you know part of the Rebel Alliance and everything. But the other kid, it's like his father was a great jedi warrior or pilot or some shit and you know basically like luke saw a lot of himself in him and vader saw a lot of himself in this kid and by the end of it 
he's kind of like the kid just decides he wants power and there's this really cool scene like it's a lot more subtle than a lot of these other things which is like i'm gonna give you a lightsaber and you're gonna hide in the closet we're gonna train together like with this you, you know vader has this cool speech where he's like look he's like i can't promise you to be my right hand right away we can't start doing lightsaber training right away because people are going to get suspicious but i'm going to make you a stormtrooper and you're going to serve in my army and one of these days we're going to you know totally spruce you up and you're going to be my right fucking hand and 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 that's basically how the story ends is like this this kid is recruited now and he's part of the empire and you know one of these days you know he's going to be this you know deadly you know sith assassin and training apprentice you know that that may one day you know take out you know the emperor or whoever you know and it's like i you know i that Vader's was probably right one of my, hand. yeah it's like one of my that was probably like one of my favorite uh marvel star wars stories but yeah i mean I, you know and that doesn't even you know to me like that doesn't even cover the same stomping ground you know what i mean but but it does have a similar theme like you're saying where it's a a young man and and you know, somebody else who is a, an apprentice of Vader and, and how that would play out. So, I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's it seems like a lot of people seem to be drawn to that idea of, of somebody else other than Luke apprenticing under Vader and how that would work. And if, you know, obviously setting it in between certain contexts might make more sense, you know, like where you think, oh, well, if Vader didn't know he had a son, he might turn to somebody else to be a, a surrogate son. But, you know, as this story, the manga that we're talking about shows, it's like Tao's kind of redundant. It's kind of like that argument, you know, that I always have about, you know, there's too many goddamn Robins. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, <laughs> Tao basically is redundant once you know, Darth Vader slash Batman finds out he has a blood son. Do you know what I mean? Like, who the fuck need? I mean, you know, not to piss off Robin fans everywhere, but who who the fuck needs Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, Jason Todd when Damian Wayne is his blood son? Do you know what I mean? I mean, if you were going to legitimately restart the universe, you might as well just start it with his blood son, and then there's no more questions about you know, child abuse and blah, 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 blah. You know, you just fucking straight up go, all right, this is his son. His son's oh. going to follow in his footsteps. He's trained by an assassin. That's it. The end, you know, like, and, and in this case, you know, of course, Tao becomes redundant once Vader learns about Luke Skywalker's existence. Yeah. As I say, yeah, they do address it. You know, like, you know, Tao comes in and he's like, I ran to begin my training. And he's all like, yeah, I got a kid now. So I'll um, just go somewhere. And like, like, it's like Darth Vader. Bastard. Darth Vader is like, oh, God, this is awkward. Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh. it's, it's like, like your services son, so... are no longer acquired. <laughs> yeah. He's he's like I'm taking all of your toys and I'm giving them to Luke. <laughs> yeah. It's like like Tao's like I want Batman and Robin. <laughs> he's like I'm taking I'm taking your pod racer bed and I'm giving it to Luke now. Uh. But I mean, but I I think that's actually a good I think that's why like Derek said, you know, he doesn't want to dismiss this. And like you said, you don't want to dismiss this as easily. Not because you're like, oh, this is such a great story. It has to be canon. It's that it actually does bridge a nice, you know, gap. You know, it's like, yeah, the, the whore fight is kind of weird. But like, you know, for the majority of it, you know, 
I, I said we're going to balls crazy, Darth Vader. There's a lot of emotional like drawing, like the 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 illustration, like his mask even goes like all funky sometimes when he's all like, I have a son, you know. And it's like, yeah, and, it, does, it does sort of speak to you on like an emotional yeah. gut level, you know, the 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 feelings Vader ends up having, you know, like the it, it definitely makes him a little more relatable than. You know, again, going back to kind of the the criticism of the prequels, you know, the the unrelatableness of, you know, milady, you smell like sand or whatever the fuck he says, you know, like that, whatever that kind of stuff, you know, it's like, it's like just, you know, that it's one of those things where it's like, you know what, I can relate to him feeling uh, there's some kind of hole in his soul and he, he needs to have an apprentice. And, and, you know, even though he was trying to do it the Sith way, you, you can tell, you know, they're trying to tie into, you know, there's still some good in you, father. I can feel it, you know, and, and even in this sense, like, I mean, Tao literally calls him father at the end of this when he's dying, you know? So it's like, in some ways, yeah, he's, like, he's like, he's like delusional. He's losing blood, but he's like, he, he sees him as his father when he's fading out. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, like you said, it, yeah, there is that kind of, Oh, this is terribly awkward. But at the same time, like there's there's something to that as well, that there was a, a, a genuine connection between the two of those characters, even though it was a character that, you know, ostensibly you would have never known about had the story never been told. You know, I, I, I did like the the like the Tuscan Raider, like in, in concept, at least like the Tuscan Raider, like attacking him, because I, I feel like that's like a concept that hasn't been explored a lot, mm. that someone would seek vengeance yeah. like on Darth Vader. Yeah. So like. No, I, 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 I mean, I, I thought I, that was that was a good concept. I, I mockingly, you know, I mock it. But I mean, you know, the, the 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 idea of it was cool. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it, it was one of those things where it, it's funny how they sort of it felt like it was overly explained where, you know, the, the only person who can explain what he's doing there is. You know, we're just going to call him whore, right? But the only person who can explain <laughs> yeah. what he's doing there is whore. So it's like, oh, well. It's it's, a, it's like it's whore's cousin slut. Yeah, with like, whatever. With two, uh, two teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so whore and slut. But, you know, what, whatever. Like, that's his last name, his middle name. But anyway, <laughs> it's like whore in Whore in fucking slut. That's my name. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, the, the in slut family is he's going to take revenge for them. But, I mean, the only person who can really explain what he's doing there is him. So then it becomes this awkwardly exposited thing of, me speak basic. Yeah, yeah. I me, learned your language. I followed you You know, like, and it's just kind of like, okay. Like, that, that part of it kind of gets a little, you know, like, me not speak basic so well. But me tell you why me am here. You make me mad. You am kill me family. Me want revenge. You know. do, do you think do you think it would be like more effective if maybe like Vader sort of like puzzled that out for himself because that like it seemed like most of the, the the story was done like through Vader's like narration yeah and yeah stuff, maybe where, like, like where he, he would be like oh this you know like he'd be like you know I can feel through the force that this creature has like is seeking revenge on me yeah, or something yeah you know he's like he's like I killed a lot of these guys. Uh, that's why he's pissed. <laughs> I think I figured it out. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't know that I have the ideal solution, but I mean, what you're, you're 
you know, you're trying to come up with something. And I, I think just taking a different tact other than having a person who normally doesn't speak English or basic, as they call it in the Star Wars universe, you know, like... It, it, just not having so it could even be something as simple as somebody else could exposit you know what i mean like but but i mean in the context of that story if you were just gonna have the the tuscan raider and vader and the dying kid you know it's like oh okay well yeah maybe you know some mystical force mumbo jumbo could sort of clear up the any any questions or whatever you know but i'll give him credit on this like he said like the idea is good because like I'm not, not trying to sound like, you know, dismissive, but like, who really gives a shit if a Tuscan Raider attacks Vader? Yeah, it's fun for the story, you know, the fact that he like, you know, kind of beats him up and stuff. But, you, you know, like, it doesn't really hurt the canon, you know? It's like, if like, Vader never mentions a Tuscan Raider, are you really fucking surprised? He fucking hates those guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you guys think of the moment where Vader's, like, looking out the window, like, standing all badass, and then that, like, astromech droid that just crashes into him and kind of, like, buckles him, like, briefly? Like, I, <laughs> it's, I, it's, I was, it hits him in the butt. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought that was pretty, like, funny, and I, I thought that was kind of a, like, I don't know, like a Japanese manga-esque thing to do, like, where, like a moment of levity or something, and something that's very heavy, but... No, I just thought he's certainly going to send the droid out to get t- turned into scrap after that, though. Yeah. What I like about droids is they never lie. <laughs> do, do you want to talk about the, the sequence where he actually, the Emperor, gives gives Vader his, his executor in this? Yeah, like, I don't know, like, that's my, my current avatar is, like, Vader's reaction face where he, he sees his new Star Destroyer. But, yeah, from that from that scene, I just kind of got the impression of, like, a father giving his son, like, a, a new, like, a new you know, car. a brand new car yeah, or something. Yeah. And Vader's like, holy well, shit! Well, graduation day! Yeah, like, thanks, Pappy! <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's fun, but... And not like that, but like, like the whole time, you know, it's like, it, this is kind of different from the Darth Vader Marvel comic, because he's, he's kind of like, gently ribbing him, and like, you kind of fucked up, man, I might trust you, ah, Vader, who's my boy, we'll see what happens, <laughs> and it's a brand new car! <laughs> <laughs> No, but it, I I really enjoyed reading this. Like I kind of I kind of got the same vibe I got when I read like Ryu Final, like the Street Fighter manga. Like you know, a lot of dynamic draw, dynamically drawn action and like imagery, like the really really powerful imagery. Basically, you know what? And I don't know if this is going to be a valid comparison for you guys, but what I thought of when I I was looking at the art from uh, Hiromoto Shinichi was that. Like, it seems like he, I don't know, to me it felt like a, a manga version of, like, Bill Skinkevitz or something. You know, it kind of has that rough, gritty feel to it, but also, you know, very sort of a lot of emotion and, and, and kind of energy to it, you know. So, I, I don't know, that that's, the like, if I was going to compare it to anybody, like, American, I would compare it to somebody like Bill Skinkevitz. Yeah, there's a lot of clean line work. But a lot of Darth Vader, it looks like, you know, he basically just went balls crazy, like, doing a scribbly sketch kind of thing. But he knew detail, you know. He knew how to make it look like a face and stuff. And, you know, like you know, like I said, this is a manga. So, like, there's times where <clears throat> Vader has big eyes. And there's, like, times where, like, he looks more evil. And 
there's like points where like you know for no reason he's really bulked up like when he's carrying tau he's like i will carry you across the you know white fields and stuff but but at the same time none of that detracted from it i never was like oh this looks stupid i was like oh no yeah yeah just like and also i i i wanted to mention like the entire like kind of revisiting of the uh, battle of yavin that they kind of go through that was some really nice anime like animated kind of manga styling because the ships look good every library like you said derek is a pretty much you know word for word you know revisiting of it because all the lines were there and it was it was, it was really kind of cool because even though i was like i could skip over this because it has a story i was like kept looking at the panels because like this is some really nice artwork so yeah yeah yeah, I was, I mean, I guess I was always fascinated by those, like, there, there have been a number of manga interpretations of the films and everything, but, you know, this this also was equally interesting and, and cool to look at, even if you already knew the beats of the story. I'll never join you! You killed my father! No, Luke. I am your father. That's not true! That's impossible! And Princess Leia is your sister. That's not true! That's... improbable! And the Empire will be defeated by Ewoks. That's... very unlikely. And as a child, I built C-3PO. Huh? And the Force? Well, that's just microscopic bacteria in your bloodstream called midichlorians. Look, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm out. So, I mean, that pretty much wraps up our thoughts on the black and silver manga, which we were talking about the perfect evil story, which featured Darth Vader and his young apprentice Tao. And I guess we'll just move on into our regularly scheduled segment of the Fan Holes Proper podcast, which is what is awesome in your world this week? And I'm looking at a scary triple zero about to torture me. So before he does, I'm going to ask Tony what his awesome thing of the week is. My my cool thing of this this week, um, sadly, it's not Star Wars. I apologize, listeners, but, you know, things happen. Uh, we got the drop for Captain America Civil War this week. The new trailer came out on Jimmy Kimmel. This was a really fun trailer. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm pretty sure that by this point, I'm not going to spoil anything because you've probably seen it. They like, like Captain America has really turned into like one of the like fun movie series of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first Captain America movie I really liked. A lot of people were kind of lukewarm on it. I really liked it. Second one was amazing. The third one, I don't know if it's going to be amazing, but it looks really good. Like you know, uh, our our friend you know Mike. Over there, he was like posting a lot of like funny uh, gifts and stuff today from uh, uh, the trailer, you know, with Black Panther outrunning Cap and all that good stuff. And it, it seems like it's got people excited. Well, I was just gonna say that like I'm happy. It seems like at least in this first trailer, it's like they're really selling it as a Captain America movie that just happens to feature like all the other Avengers and stuff. Like people were like going into this thinking it was gonna be like Avengers 2.5 or whatever. And I mean, in some aspects, yeah. it is, but like it, it looks. I think the 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 relationship between Cap and Bucky looks to be like a main like a, still a main point in this movie. So yeah, I, like I really liked that trailer. Yeah, I, I would say given my my personal distaste for the actual Civil War comic, 
this trailer still oh, managed yeah. to get me excited for the film. Like I, I did really dig that scene of, of Cap and Bucky double teaming fucking Iron Man because that was pretty <laughs> fucking sweet. So <laughs> yeah, that was good. Just, just I, I think like yeah. I, th- I think it's a, it was a good move to make. Like it seems the trailer makes it seem like Bucky is like a point of contention between like Cap and Iron Man, and like I think that's a good move because that's like that's something like audiences can connect with basically, where you know Cap's looking out for his buddy, and you know uh, maybe Tone, and you know like in Winter Soldier it was implied that like maybe the Winter Soldier was responsible for tony's parents dying so you know they they could they could be at odds over something like intensely like personal rather than you know just like super arrows need like civil liberty rights and you know stuff like that like which is i don't know like i mean there is something there but like i I think that would be a very like if that was the only thing they were fighting over i think that would be a very boring movie so yeah yeah yeah. i I like the idea that this like seems to be more of a personal thing and it, it seems it like I mean the action is really good. Um, Evans has proved to be a really good Captain America, and you've got Iron Man in it. If you're just an Iron Man fanboy, and hey, apparently you know, I mean we already knew this, but you're gonna get Black Panther in this. And even though we didn't see him in the trailer, which I don't know why people were complaining about it, I'm happy it was he wasn't in the trailer. It's gonna have a Spider Man at the very most cameo, probably going to be a part of the story. We already know that. So, yeah, I was really happy with the trailer. I, I say keep Spider-Man out of it. I, I say don't let us know what he's going to look like in his suit, like moving or anything like that. Just keep these really nice, subtle trailers coming. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good trailer, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Cool, yeah. I think I think all of us are pretty excited about it. So what, what about you, Mike? You got an awesome thing of the week for us to discuss? Yes, uh, mine is a comic book. Uh, this week uh, was the release of Sins of Transformers, Sins of the Wreckers, number one. And, uh, you know, we talked about Last Stand of the Wreckers years and years ago. And, uh, you know, we all loved that series. And, you know, Nick Roach and, uh, well, just Nick Roach, he draws and writes it pretty much, is uh, is back. And he's pretty much picking up all the plot lines from the first series and, you know, uh, it's it's great to see characters like, you know, Impactor and Roadbuster and Guzzle, like, who haven't shown up in Transformers since, like, Last Stand of the Wreckers again. So, and, you know, Prowl's also a main character in it. So, and I think Nick Roach writes my absolute favorite version of Prowl. So, you know, all this stuff is, like, you know, uh, I'm very welcome. And the first issue was great. O- only... Only in in this series will will a transformer drop kick an endangered animal. So yes, that 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 <laughs> happens in Sins of the Wreckers number one. So that yeah, yeah pick it up. if you're I, a Transformers a, fan. Yeah, pick it up. Yeah, I think since like 2013 or uh, 2012, I've been like sitting there like for years going, Mike, where's Springer? <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, Springer hasn't now. shown up either. Yeah. Until now. Oh, he'll be, he'll be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll, yeah, he's there. He's there. He's he's back. Yay! Cool. Springer's that, not a fair character, sorry. No, that that sounds good. I mean, maybe we can, maybe that's something we can do a TF Tuesdays yeah, on when it's all wrapped up and everything. So I guess I'll I'll go into, you know what, I, I think I'm going to be like Justin this week and bust out like everything that was cool this week instead of just saving it up for later. But um, as far as Star Wars related stuff, I did pick up an Xbox One and I did get 
Star Wars Battlefront, and our hope is that we'll be able to bring you guys an all-new, all-different sidecast with me and Mike eventually uh, detailing Star Wars Battlefront. But along those lines, our Fan Holes podcast, we did set up a Twitch TV page where we can you know stream gameplay and stuff live to you, kind of like how we had mentioned like Air Hammer in the past was doing his own stuff on Twitch TV. So now Fan Holes Podcast actually has a Twitch TV page, so you can see all the ridiculous gameplay that I've done up to this point, and you can you know point and laugh at me and stuff like that if that's your thing. Um, my hope is that other fan holes, you know, like Mike and Brian and and even Tony or Justin, you know, would would be able to come on the the uh, Twitch TV side at some point and any games that they happen to be streaming, you know, maybe they could stream to Twitch as well. Um, so that was one thing. And then um, a couple of the other things um, I did finally get in the mail, my NECA Superman figure, uh, the seven inch Superman figure, which was part of a, it, it's like a weird WB promotion thing where I guess if they, if they sell the figure with DVDs, they somehow get around legalese that, you know, I guess only Mattel can sell action figures of whatever scale type thing. And so you, you can order it either from Toys R Us or I think uh, the, the WB store on eBay, which is technically like Go Hastings or something like that. And so I did order that, um, and that finally came in the mail. I had heard a lot of reportage of breakage and, and stuff like that, so I kind of was I was pretty careful with it. Nothing really broke on mine or anything. I mean, the, the, the paint... I don't know, like, it's funny, like, it reminds me, like, I, I don't know if it was like, we're trying to be retro, because you know what it felt like to me was, like, the, the paint on Superman's spit curl, like, you can't see it in the picture I posted on Botox, because I touched it up in Photoshop, but if, like, you look at the actual figure, you can see, like, some of the flesh tone come out of his spit curl, and it just made, it reminded me of, like, <laughs> you know, kind of like a retro superpowers toy that, like, the, the, the paint was wearing thin on the figure or something, like, I I don't know how to explain that, but it's like he could use a touch up on his spit curl as far as the the hair paint or whatever. But, you know, no, nothing broke. I, I kind of went over it with a hair dryer just in case, you know, like to sort of loosen up the joints and stuff because I was afraid something might break because I had read a lot of reports of of breakage and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's pretty fun. It looks like Chris Reeve. It's a cool NECA figure in that, you know, seven inch type scale. So. It looks really good next to the the Keaton NECA Batman or, you know, your Planet of the Apes figures or Freddy Krueger or whatever other, you know, NECA figures you might have on your display, like, you know, Terminator or something like that, Predator, those kind of things. Um, so that came in the mail. And then also I did get today... Um, the Figure Arts Common Rider Drive and Figure Arts uh, Gokhyger Yellow. So that actually finishes off all the Gokhyger figures for me. So I've got the whole set. And the drive I really wanted because, as I mentioned on the previous week's podcast, I did pick up the Triteron, and my intention was to, you know, have the guy who drives the Triteron. But that didn't work out the first time around, so it came in this second shipment from Mandarake. So, yeah, so not to overload you guys, but those were all my, my awesome things for this week. So there you go. A, a, a literal cornucopia because of Thanksgiving of goodness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
All right, so uh, that I guess that kind of wraps up our discussion for tonight. Let's see, where can you find us? You can find us on all kinds of fun social media. Uh, like we mentioned, we have a brand new Twitch TV, so you can find us over at, I think it's like Twitch TV slash Fanholes Podcast. So if you want to check that out, you can go there. The podcast itself is on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on Stitcher Radio. You can stream our podcast that way. We are on iTunes, so if you would like to leave a awesome review, that would really help us out on iTunes, get us more play and uh, notoriety over there on iTunes, and get more people to be exposed to the show. Uh, we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We appreciate all the likes and retweets and fun stuff like that that goes on on those social medias. All the folks that you know share our podcasts and tweets and things like that, we greatly appreciate. We have a Tumblr. We have a Instagram. So you can check us out on all those cool social medias. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. The Force is weak with you signing off. This is Mike uh, signing off. This is Tony and what? I was like, and nothing. No witty comment. Nothing. <laughs> this is Tony and Tao. No. I had stories about this guy who, who founded the rebellion named Starkiller. Like, he was so cool. He was like, that's not true. That's that's poser BS. Get out. There was a calamari guy with a robot body. Get out. And like whenever whenever something finish, finished, he was like, that's a wrap. <laughs> I gave you a trap. I don't give a crap. <laughs> My favorite cigarette Scott Stapp. His deflector shields can't repel sarcasm of this magnitude. <laughs> the two parts between Star Wars manga Black and Star Wars manga Silver. And Tony's searching voraciously for it right now. I found it. <laughs> what the hell's going on? <laughs> my, my my cat's going crazy. Oh, okay. It's like the cat. Here, let me let me let me, let me toss him out. Is with the cat. <laughs> the cat. All right, I will. I will give you attention here in a minute, Solstice. Let me just throw you out for like at least thirty minutes. <laughs> Hold on. And it's like next. We're gonna have uh, Peter writing in. Fanals podcast hates cats. <laughs> Don't support their podcast. Actually, if Peter told people to not support our podcast, our numbers would probably skyrocket. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Please, Peter, tell people not to listen to us. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
but but Derek, you you, you fail to understand that the movies are for, are for children. I made them for children, and uh, somewhere <laughs> along the lines, people <clears throat> forgot that. I, I watched this one interview. It was really strange because they were talking to him after the sellout to Disney and like his involvement and the new movies and all that stuff. And it was just it was a really strange interview. And then it's basically like. The rules for breaking up with people, it's very simple. You don't call, you don't leave messages, and you don't, like, stalk their Facebook or, you know, whatever he said. Like, it was it was something basically like if you break up with somebody, you don't you don't drive over to their house to see how they're doing. You know, like, that kind of thing. You know, it's just like, and it went like, okay, so, so, like, that's fine and everything. But I don't know, though, he did seem to have, like, an opinion about it, but he's kind of like, these are stories about, you know, grandchildren and children and children and children and you know i i just want to tell stories about children and not space whatever they're gonna do so i just step back you know and it's like okay <laughs> whatever do you, do you ever do you ever okay. get a feeling that like george lucas didn't break up with star wars star wars broke up with him <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sort of feels that way doesn't it <laughs> 